before you do so, do we have a quorum? Yes. Yes, we do. Welcome, everyone. The time is 6.03. Lorena Mallon? Present. Richard Harvey Jr.? Present. Serena Clayton? Present. Tammy Wilson will not join us tonight. Mark Smith? Here. Derek Turner? We have a quorum. Okay, great. Um, I thought I'd start tonight with a little icebreaker. <laughs> so, this is the question I'd like you to respond to. What is the highlight of your week so far? Mm. What is the highlight of your week so far? I'll go first if you want, because I'm very excited about what I finished. I am all decorated for Christmas. <laughs> Tree, lights, wreath, everything. Everything's done. First time in my whole entire life that I've done this before Thanksgiving. Wow. So I'm very proud. <laughs> so <laughs> Anyone else? I got the next. Yes. I um my kids came over for dinner, so I made them a seafood fest at home. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but it worth it because everyone loves it. So and they get Make it worth it. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. I can go. Um, last Sunday was Diwali, which yes. is the festival of lights. And usually we have a pretty, you know, um, I have a twin brother who lives in the peninsula. And oh, you some do? of us get together. But my family had taken the flu shot. And... Uh, the COVID booster, and so uh, all of us were in bed. Like, I know, <laughs> so we had a very muted view. This lab's at our home. Oh, I think this one hit us. For I know, me too. Like I've never much. had a reaction. But it was so, we had sparklers and like lamps, and I was thought I'd go to Minnie's home, but that didn't happen. <laughs> I, we did it in a very small way at home, so that was special. Good. Mm. Good, good, good. Nice. Right, I'll say my, my neighbor gave me a giant bag of cinnamon persimmons. I, I love them too, and I hadn't really had any this year, except I did go to the farmer's market once and paid $5 a pound. I could only bring myself to buy one. So he brought me this huge bag. I was excited. Oh, nice. What kind of persimmon is it? What? I really don't have a highlight, really. No highlight? Not yet? Okay. Not yet. <laughs> um, I was at the Diwali event that um, that Kinkini referenced, uh, Dr. Minnie Swift's house. Oh, yes. He hosted a few years in a row, so it's mm. great to go back and start to know the story a little bit and start to know some of the rituals and see my son kind of integrated into oh, that's you know, the community event. It's really it's really great. We do it outside at the cul-de-sac in Alameda. We do that for Holy, but for... Diwali, it's the sparklers and oh. lights, and the kids have all their fluorescent, you know, toys that they turn into weapons. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's just what they do. Let the force be with you. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Nice. Uh, hey, I just got back from vacation, so that <laughs> <laughs> my highlight was being on vacation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yes. my highlight would be just to have a full weekend of not doing anything. Oh, that's so the best. You have that the whole weekend with nothing? Nothing. Oh, no phone calls. 
Just me, myself, and I, which is great. Yeah, just chilling. <laughs> That's nice. It's been, okay. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. I, I know nobody's talked about this, but I, I'm just curious. Um, even though it's already passed, I'm just curious um, what everybody's experience was during Halloween. Or did, or are there people here who celebrate Halloween or didn't celebrate? But if they celebrate it, uh, what happened? What sticks out in your mind about Halloween? Do you want to, we can maybe talk about that at the end of the meeting, Mark, just because it's still the board chair report. Okay. Yeah, I do have a story. I'll tell, I'll share that with you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. And I, I know we have a few people also on the call. Oh. Did you want to invite them to answer your question also, yes. Loretta? Would anyone like to share what the highlight of their week is so far? I know you want to, Terrence, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a highlight. I mean, I was so excited to see my computer and get to my emails. <laughs> the AHS things that are so important. I think that was the whole highlight of coming off of a three-day weekend on Monday. Oh, wow. <laughs> to see all the hundreds of people who reached out. <laughs> yeah. Can you see anyone else? Um, Lucy is also on Lucy. the call. Lucy. Did you want to share? She probably me. Does she hear you? Sometimes we give them a second to unmute themselves. Yeah. In case Lucy wanted to share what the highlight of her week was. Anyone else? <laughs> I'll share. Today we did a department baby shower for me and my colleague who also is pregnant. So it was nice to have like a hour break from work where we can all eat and talk non lawyer things. So oh, good. Good, 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 good. It's great. It's how, many, how many of you guys? How many of you guys? Lawyers? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's only three, but we, it, you know, branched off to the whole four SSC, so it's oh. like patient safety and they're like, you know, honorary lawyers too. I didn't hear what you said about my question regarding Halloween. Oh, I said we could probably add that to the end of the agenda because we're still on the board chair. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Sit. Well, good. I'm glad everyone had something special, even if it was work-related. <laughs> Sorry, Terrence, you must get a lot. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> Okay. Um, so, uh, on uh, item B, would someone like to move to approve the minutes? I moved to approve the minutes from October 10th. I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Lorena Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Serena Clayton? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Okay, and our next item is our infamous Dr. Francis. <laughs> <laughs> What page um, are you on? I just wanted to update you guys on two things. Um, so one is that we've been invited to um, work on a proposal for a drop-in clinic uh, on the Highland campus um, for people with high needs, which is you know part of our strategic plan. 
um, which is great. So I'm working with the medical director of the adult immunology clinic, um, Dr. Lai, who also spent some time practicing in the Bridge Clinic and um, has really done a lot of work over the last couple of years thinking about the patients living with HIV who were struggling to serve well in the AIC clinic, which is really well resourced with case management. And we've been able to do a lot of things. We've done a lot of proactive outreach, you know, multiple phone calls when someone missed an appointment, for example, and there's really this maybe 10% of the patient population in AIC that we can't reach. And so Dr. Lai has then also um, engaged some of the staff in doing some structured interviews and really came to the idea that those folks, many of whom are homeless, you know, need our drop-in space as well. Um, and that that's one of the key elements of, you know, designing a clinic that would work better for that, for that group of patients. Um, so that's how she came to it. And then Dr. Yulal, who's in the Bridge Clinic, who's been here, and I think some of you have, have had a chance to meet. I'm not sure if you've met him through other means, Serena, because, yeah, because of his work at Bridge, yeah. So he's, you know, he's a primary, he's trained as a primary care provider and now working in a setting where he's seeing all these primary care issues, but the clinic's really designed to take care of, you know, substance use disorder specifically. And so he's always had a strong interest in figuring out how to expand the scope of what's provided there. So... The three of us are really working together to, you know, refine some of their ideas about what the program model should look like and figure out, um, you know, then what we have the space to, to do. So um, we're planning to come back in December with a more formal agenda item on it, but I just wanted to let you all know that we're working on that and um, we'll be formally, we're formally invited to go to the space committee as the first place internally um, to present that, although... Um, We'll, we'll, I think the process to come on how it will roll out beyond going to just the space committee, figuring out, you know, budget oversight committee and other sort of the internal structures, I think, um, you know, as you all know, like it's not necessarily been clear the, the way to advance strategic priorities within, within the system. So we'll figure out how to do that. But what I've been told so far is that the space committee is the first stop okay. um, on, the, on the path. So that's where we'll go with it first in December. Are we still looking at the space next to the Bridge Clinic there? Um, so there's a plan to move the dental clinic from E2 to HCP3, which of course you all have to approve if the new dental clinic is going to become an FQHC. The commission has to also approve that, and then HRSA also has to approve that. That would vacate space on the second floor of the E-Wing, which is pretty close to where the Bridge Clinic is. Um, so that's a potential space that we know you know, if the rest of the plan moves forward as it's supposed to, would potentially be vacant. There's additional, you know, space in that area that other programs are located in that, you know, they, we may want as a system to move other, other programs in order to, in order to accommodate a drop-in clinic yeah. um, on the Highland campus. But, you know, I think those conversations really have to be you know, we have to get to a little bit more level of detail around what the clinic model looks like and what other people's situations are before we get to something like that. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, Yay, it's really exciting. Go. Yeah, so <laughs> that really good. represents, I think, progress on our strategic plan yeah. and on the strategic plan, you know, the institution overall, a drop-in clinic is one of the elements of the Alameda Health System strategic plan as well. Yeah. I'm just curious how, what you, what the services of a drop-in clinic are similar or different from an urgent care? Uh, a drop-in uh, primary care clinic would have continuity of care, which is one of our strategic priorities as a board. 
Um, whereas urgent care, you see an urgent issue and then, you know, they'll message me from urgent care. Your patient came in with this and it's your patient and back to you, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, um, it's really that continuity piece that distinguishes it. Yeah. Just, I'm going to yes. point out that oh, Terrence has a hand up. Yes, Terrence. Yeah, no, no, simple question. Dr. Francis, in regards to the space, have you filled out the space request form yet? Uh, I've talked to uh, Renato. I don't know if you were on that email, and I think we're planning to have some conversations first before getting to the form. But he did he did send the form, but I think the first step is going to be a meeting with him and Christine Lindquist um, after I have a discussions uh, with you know we sort of refine a little bit more of the clinical model with uh, doctors Lai and Ulal and then other other subcommittees. So it's on the list to do the space request form before going to the committee formally. But even before that is just a, a meeting with Christine and, and Renato to kind of um you know on the same page having sat on the meeting not telling you what to do I okay. <laughs> i would recommend you fill out the form because it becomes a language so that you're in queue for you know putting your name next for the space because we've already filled out the architect piece for the dental move so that space will soon become like public knowledge great appreciate it <laughs> yeah, I think pe people are, Renato's aware, other folks are aware, so, um, yeah, I, I def and we definitely want to meet with him the way that he requested, so we'll move forward with the, you know, the, the meeting, with the forms, with all the, all the process that we need to do. Yeah, it's just he who fills out the paper first wins, that's why I was wanting you to try to fill it out as fast as possible to get it in, because I also sit on the committee for space, so it'd be great for approval. Great. Sounds great, thanks, Terrence. Um, so the second element that I wanted to update you guys on, if there's any no other questions on that one. Chair, is, 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 can I join? Yeah, yes, of course, of course. So um, for the drop-in clinic, um, I wanted to ask Terrence and um, Dr. Mack, I mean, that's a, that's a given, right? Like that's moving ahead or is it still like the, it will depend on the space or others? And asking because there was a small table conversation about this and I want to make sure that you have the full, full support of your uh, administrative leaders here so that they could ease the process or facilitate the process for you all. Yeah, they have to there was a bit of confusion around two different proposals being invited by the Bridge Clinic and then by me. Um, but I think Felicia and Portia have both clarified that they're happy to have us work jointly, which I think we're quite happy to work jointly as we, as we have clinically for a long time. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, there's a lot of details to work out. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, you know, a blank check or anything like that, but I think there's every bit of intent to move forward with trying to make something happen. Um, and then, you know, we have to figure out what space, what money, right. all those things. But, but I, I'm, I'm, I feel very supported, you know, by, by Portia, by Felicia in this. And I don't know, Terrence, if you have anything else to add. No, I think that's why I was just trying to help facilitate that with the, the documentation, because that's the piece that would hold you up in the back and not being able to secure the space. And it's the small details like that we have to just keep considering. Thank you, because those are the kind of things that's very helpful for us to also advocate from our side with right. the administration as well. So just taking notes for um, what we need to be doing. Great. So the second thing I wanted to just uh, update you guys on, and probably you're aware of this, but the county has declared a state of emergency um, around homelessness. So Supervisor Miley brought forward a resolution um, in, at, the, at the end of September. 
And I think the goal of the resolution is to accelerate hiring and procurement primarily. Lucy may, may have more information about this. Um, you know, sometimes with uh, states of emergency related to health, um, it allows the local government um, to, you know, bypass some regulations, move past some regulations more quickly. And so in response to the state of emergency, the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination in the county, um, which is which is the office that oversees healthcare for the homeless, which is the office that contracts with us, um, they have 60 days, which will be up pretty soon um, in mid-November to respond with a proposed plan um, to address the emergency of, of homelessness. Of course, there already is um, uh, a home together plan that um, the county has put together to address homelessness and um, it really documents in a pretty clear and high level way like how much money is needed um, and there's a one-year report on the plan that's already out that shows that we're you know fairly far behind what we would have needed to invest in order to stick to what the plan elements say with regard to the prevention and and um, and care of people experiencing homelessness and housing of people experiencing homelessness. Um, so I think part of the initiative behind the emergency is, you know, we have this plan already. We understand that we have that plan and it's not to change the underlying plan. It's really to figure out how do we deal with the fact that we know we're already behind schedule on the underlying plan. This that illustrates that we're in an emergency. Um, so that's what I that's what I really understood from the um, document itself and, and the comments around it. If, I don't know if Lucy's um, now um, able to speak, but if if so, feel free to chime in, Lucy. Here, either thanks. Yeah, I think that that's right. I think that again, it, I think the biggest things, and I think Serena, you were there earlier today too, so you can certainly speak because Carrie spoke about it also at the homeless mortality review team. Um, but I think the important things for folks to understand is again, as Damon said, it really is. Um, there's no funding. The declaration itself at a county level doesn't result in um, any funding. And so it is more about kind of county processes and what can happen kind of uh, across county departments or about procurement, right? How we contract, how quickly we contract, um, human resources, so those types of things. And um, I think the second piece of this is, and there's been a process of getting input from um, the community, input from the mayors, input from, you know, a number of various, you know, key stakeholders. And I think that some of that also helps drive, um, you know, if and when new funding sources become available, that it would then allow, right, that this would then help prioritize how that new funding would be spent in terms of interventions. Um, and so I'm happy once, so there will be a process right next month, um, the office, pardon me, this month, um, it will be presented to the board, um, the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination after the declaration was announced had 60 days to come back to the Board of Supervisors and present a response. Um, and so that response back to the board will happen this month. So I'm happy to just keep you all updated as the process continues. Lucy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I took notes from the meeting today too. Oh, that's right. You were there too, Loretta. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it a report saying what we could do if we had the money? 
No, the report is saying, well, so my, so it would be both. Okay. Okay. It would be both. So it would be, so some are going to be very like recommendations for what could or can happen now in terms of county processes, in terms of services. Um, you know, um, like I know the example Carrie gave earlier is can we better integrate or coordinate behavioral health outreach with street health outreach, right? So some of those are going to be kind of recommendations back about how work can happen different across county departments. Um, and then some, I think, are going to be getting consensus and, you know, agreement with the board around if if um, and when, uh, well, when I should say, when new funding sources come on, kind of that there's agreement in, in, in how those would be spent in kind of in prioritizing the different interventions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's both. It's it's both. Again, I think mo more immediately, it's really going to be those processes, the procurement, things like that. How do we work with the, you know, the 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 chief administrator's office? How are we working with County Central HR? Um, similar, well, uh, you know, to Alameda Health System, there's really complicated human resource processes. There have been protests. There's been a lot of stuff around um just the delays and mass, you know, significant vacancies, not homeless specific, but in general, but those are the types of things, right, that, that again, there's not, there's no dollars needed to, um, to create those changes. Um, so those would be, you know, the first to, to be implemented. Okay, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited. I think that, you know, the, I mean, I think if you compare this to the everyone home plan from, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, in terms of the real escalation around home together, I think the amount of data, the growth of healthcare for the homeless since then, I mean, if it was, if, if homelessness was all about how fast we had scaled up the programs to respond to it, 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 it we would have, We've responded better as a social services and healthcare services infrastructure to homelessness than I, I think any issue I could think of. The, the problem is the rental market is outpacing our ability to do this. So, you know, we've placed more people in the last year, correct me if I'm wrong, Lucy, in housing out of homelessness than we have at any point in history in Alameda County. But the problem is more people are still becoming homeless oh, yes. than the yes. people exactly. So it's exactly. not so much an issue of the services not working or not growing. They're growing, they're getting better, they're getting, you know, more nuanced, and we're, it, we're just being outpaced by how um, challenging this problem is. And um, so I'm, I'm really happy actually to see the super board of supervisors and OHCC sort of doing what they can to recognize that we're not moving forward on the plan and try to accelerate progress some way. You know? Right. I know I, I read yeah. an article about a week ago or maybe two weeks ago um, that the eviction court, um, they were just overflowing with cases. I mean, more than they've ever, ever, ever had. So it's it's very critical, very serious. More exactly. are getting evicted. If I could just say one last thing. So one, just confirming what Damon said. Absolutely. There are more people who flow in every year, right? Than, so 
um, then we are how able to keep right to keep pace with housing. So it's exactly what what um, what Damon was saying. And I think that I would just encourage people. And I and and to your point, Loretta, a big piece and an, actually a huge expanding piece of work within the, the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination is around prevention. And so I think we're seeing that more and more at the federal, state, and local level. Is a lot more investment around um, prevention. And so, um, so I'm happy to give can continue to keep you guys updates as kind of that area continues to grow. And the last thing I wanted to say is really put a plug in for what Damon said. I think that the the Home Together plan, the annual update report, that and it's all of this is on the website. You can sort it. Uh, you can sort by different data fields. It is it is the best job I think the county has ever done in terms of. Dem showing the work, tracking the work, demonstrating the impact and kind of, our, you know, how, the gaps, right? And, and where we need to go. So, um, so if you haven't, I would encourage looking there because I think it really gives that global picture. And there's a huge amount of work done to really understand our whole system in terms of housing. So. Yeah, I'll send out the, the annual update and then the website that Lucy's referring to is you can go there real time and see the data. We've, we've talked about it during a, a report here earlier, but I'll just send it out again. So um, what Alameda County is doing is totally different from what San Francisco is going through right now with they're in a state of emergency also, right? Having to show why they haven't built X number of homes by this time. Isn't that correct? Lucy, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe Lucy does. Aren't they in? I'm not aware that San Francisco, so I, I don't know. Um, okay. The only other community in California I'm aware of that's declared a homeless state of emergency is Los Angeles um, when Karen Bass became the mayor. Um, and so I'm not aware of that in San Francisco. There are metrics, right? So I, I don't know. There are metrics that cities, that counties are required to meet into, you know, benchmarks in terms of affordable housing. Right. Um, so I don't know about San Francisco um, uh, related to that. Um, I don't know if there are like city level. I know you and I live in San Leandro yeah. and our, our city has purchased the NIMS or something. Yes. Um, to be part of that as well. So the part of the home key project, home key. So I know that yeah. there are those elements too, especially because, you know, everything is, it's the rental market and then the exacerbation with the eviction moratorium closing, the expanded CalFresh, the expanded like coverage, medic, all of that the, going away right now is like compounding all of those issues. So I think some and of the, the whole medical renewal now that COVID is over, they were renewing everybody during the COVID three yeah. years. Now you have to go back and you have to actually bring in paper copies of yeah. your income. It's, it's a lot more difficult, and so that's delaying some people's coverage. You know, mm -hmm. um, so that's unfortunate. But um, Lissy, does um, the County of Alameda own the Jack London Inn, or is there some kind of agreement that we have for um, housing the homeless there? The you mean the hotel in the downtown? Hotel. Oh, yes. I the county definitely doesn't own it. I think it has a private owner. There have been a number of hotels and different properties that have been purchased by a smaller number by the county, like in the beginning, big sites that 
I know Damon spoke to you about like the initial um, COVID sites, like um, Oak Days in East Oakland. There were large hotels purchased by the county. Most recently, <laughs> in fact, I think it was just last week, the latest round was announced. So these are like hotels that the state is supporting cities, mainly uh, you know, um, um, who are signing on, you know, or who are um, applying for this in coordination with local nonprofits. There have last week, there were two more hotels in Oakland that um, are being purchased and turning turned into um, housing for the homeless. But I am not aware of anything with the Jack London specifically. Okay. I, I haven't heard about that at all. I do know that's always been a hotel that sometimes different programs get vouchers for things yeah. like that. But I'm not aware. It's more informal. Yeah, but it's 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 definitely has a private owner. Yeah. Just, uh, I'll just say, I you know, appreciate Lucy being on this call with us uh, so much. She adds so much value. And I think this is the kind of conversation that it's really great to have a space to have where we can coordinate, you know, across the system and just hear what's going on um, across the county around homelessness. We, we have, you know, a more fragmented than most kind of county structure. And so I appreciate you guys just granting the time to kind of flesh out some of these some of these elements of the what can what is supposed to be just a smaller report but i think it's, it's helpful for us to have these kinds of conversations so appreciate the time to do it and lucy's participation yes thank you lucy i appreciate you too very much oh my pleasure it's, it's always a good time with you all <laughs> <laughs> so you have Jamie? that's all i got yeah. okay great any questions any more questions all right, so we're on um, action item D. And we uh, talked about this at our last meeting, but um, Richard, you were gone and we wanted you know, to get input from, from everyone. Um, the Heidi B Committee um, wants to have a patient representative from the cab on the board. And um, Minnie had approached me about this even before last week, and I told her I was interested. So I went to the first meeting. However, I didn't talk. I was very quiet. <laughs> and um, I just listened because I wanted to give all of you an opportunity. If, if any of you were interested in, in, in doing it, by all means, you know, I'll step down. I mean, I, I know I have a little more time than some of you guys do because you work. That's the only reason why. And, and they are held during the day. So. Um, and they meet once a month. Um, Dr. Uh, Minnie Swift and um, what's her name? Arlene Gomez. Arlene, yes, are the uh, ones that facilitate that. Ideally, they want somebody um, who's actually a patient, right? Yes, that's that's their um, that's their goal. That's in the analysis. They would like a patient, and. And they thought there was one among us? Well, I'm a patient. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have you been a patient in the past. Oh, not yeah. No, I'm a current not patient. Currently. I'm a current patient, yeah. Loretta, would you maintain your seat here too? Or is it going to be this or that? No, I could maintain both. Oh, perfect. Said, That's what I was trying there's, to clarify. No, yes, you are. <laughs> there's no. <laughs> 
there's no um, conflict of interest or anything there, so it's good. And there's a trustee as well that's, uh, that's yep. present there, so. We have two trustees yes. on the heading committee, uh, uh, Trustee Estine and myself, and I've been there since Hedy was formed. It was a board, uh, you know, some form of health equity has always yes. been part of AHS and staff-led committee since 2009, but Hedy was, so yeah, it's 90 minutes, it's really a lot of good work and again, a bridge between GAP right. and AHS, like as many bridges as we can have, we need, so um, yeah, it would be great to have you. I also sit on the Hedy committee, so you yes, have you. support from staff from the Homeless Health Center there as well, so for whoever is nominated and elected to be on the Hedy committee, just know that, that you have me attending as well. Not yes, last week, that's on vacation. <laughs> that's why. Next time. So I was in, I was in your space. How soon do we have to pick a person? Because as it says in the wording, we're simply nominating. Um, is there later to be a later vote? Is that? No, you can do that tonight. Um, I think it probably makes the most sense since it involves your own schedules to self-nominate. Um, and then there would be just like we normally do a motion and a vote on that because the person is representing the cab. But I, my understanding from last meeting was that um, Dr. Swift was open to, to multiples. Oh, okay. so I think that okay. this can be an ongoing thing if other folks, you know, decide they want to join yeah. at a later time. Awesome. Um, I think that could definitely happen. Great, 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 great. I wasn't sure about that, so I didn't say anything. I think it would be similar to like as long as we don't have a quorum at the right. Eddie B committee, we're uh, all right. So right yeah. now our limit would be two. As our board grows, the right. limit could certainly go up. <coughs> okay. Okay. Well, I move to nominate myself. Second your nomination. Yeah. I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. <laughs> Nareda Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Serena Clinton? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Loretta. Thank you. Okay. Um, item E is um, just a little conversation about our ad hoc uh, committee meeting that we had. For those of you that were here last time, um, we formed a, another committee to talk about things with the board that we felt were important, that we're trying to accomplish goals we're trying to accomplish. And we had that meeting, and it went very well. Um, Kinsini was there, and Mark, uh, was he there? Mark? Yeah, Mark Serena. and Serena, and, and it, it, was, it was pretty successful. I mean, we, we did talk about the things that we hope to accomplish and plans that we want to move forth with. And main thing I think um, was the communication, the communication between our boards, you know, and, and the executive uh, leadership team so that we can all be on the same page and um, know where we're going with the same, you know, with these items. So I don't know, did you, Sumi, you want to add to that? Um, I will say that I thought it was a really good meeting in terms of the 
spirit of the meeting? Yeah. <clears throat> it still needs next steps. It oh, needs yeah. like another meeting and needs some kind of agenda. And I think we, I mean, this is going to be developed jointly by the ad hoc group, but we're, we should think about what we want in terms of some of the action items. I mean, obviously the budget was discussed as one of the mm -hmm. critical issues. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about <coughs> how understanding and increasing our ability to have influence and understanding like how we relate to the trustees and so forth. Um, you can Kitty offered that, I don't know if there's a formal process when you talked about like our input for the CEO evaluation. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that needs to be documented somehow, but that would certainly be a great step. Um, Terence, did you have any feedback? Because I know that we, after the meeting was done on the 25th, I had written to Dr. Mack and you and Mark Fratsky and James and Kim Miranda, all the C-suite folks or the executive leadership team that was in that to say like now, this is the beginning of a longer arc of conversations that we are having, but folks have had very specific asks that they had brought in May about, you know, like the budget uh, issues and then some of the others in terms of like the strategy, whether it's the drop in clinic or some. There were like three um, um, specific asks. So we had, we have some update that I can share first. And then if there's anything from the ELT side, that would also um how i um first thing is i connect uh, so for from the board side we definitely um are exploring having a member of cab on the food board so uh as well so uh, there's an ad hoc committee that's kind of working on the uh, bylaws review and we were thinking about so uh right now i am exiting um, in three weeks and so my seat is going to be uh, vacant but we are also working to see if we can add two more see um, uh, go to go from nine to eleven because we have so many committees and so many subcommittees and right now things are stretched and a few people are on like multiple committees and stretched really thin so we can so these conversations in all transparency we can uh, uh, for any expansion of the board um, we have to have multiple conversations with the supervisors to do that so i've broached it with uh, supervisor tam who's on the health committee i'll be meeting uh, you know, supervisor carson hopefully very soon so uh, you know uh, really and because the ahs governance is in a flux like the, the, that thing is also shifting but what we want to really urge the soups uh, that like right now we need more voices and we need that so we are pushing for that if that happens our and so yeah i wanted to ask like if that if is if we wouldn't make that ask of the board of supervisors without seeking permission from you um so is that, is that something like having a GAB member as a permanent, as, as a not, not a permanent, but like, you know, people have terms, but on, like a on seat, the, on, like a reserved seat. And the seat. <laughs> and then the CEO performance evaluation is 
done deal because that is we have key stakeholder key shareholders doing that so it's in in the books already so come 2024 you all will be part of see james jackson's evaluation so those are the two updates i have from our side but open to your input about I have, I have the three things the three things that we um the first bullet item was that the board should meet with greater frequency that was number one number two was the our minutes from our meetings should be accepted by the board of trustees mm -hmm. so that um you know you know what's going on with us and that um the board should jointly advocate for and recommend the inclusion of a consumer member consumer member on the board of trustees I recommend that to the Board of Supervisors. I don't know if you, if you guys have thought about that. Yeah, a consumer member, definitely. I'm wanting a consumer member right. in my thing because that's not a that's not even a change in uh, bylaws that we need right now. When I leave, we can have a consumer member today. And if you give me uh, some recommendations, we can um, really urge so we hope it will be a consumer member. It could be like a fierce community patient advocate, anyone. So that would just really be a great way uh, for me to also be able to organize that before I leave. Mm -hmm. So that's separate. That's different than the cab. That is, so that could happen right now. If we have that, then uh, you know that's what that, this could be a conversation about. That too. I know that um, this seat is uh, is in Lena Dam's district. Okay. So there are like certain things that happen. Like this is a district three seat okay. and things. So there are some things. There has to be a resident of of certain part of this uh, of the county. And because we have already representation from the city of Alameda, Oakland, and things, we think yeah. a little mid-county might be better. So this has a little bit more restrictions. But if we have an open another seat, hey, one is never enough. So you know, <laughs> yeah. we could we could explore that. So we yeah. could do if if today's a time you all want to speak about any of these i'll take your recommendations uh, back to or you want to you know open that so that was in terms of the board and um, us uh, so ceo um, the minutes which will be coming in from january we would be happy to to include that in our board packet as well as a part of our consent agenda and then the um, board seats. Um, the other thing is, I had one of the things we have discussed is that maybe, like in the HMG board, we have uh, you know Mark Fratsky and our CMO as ex-official members of that board. Right now, we might not, you don't want to have ex-official, but having our CEO or having our CEO also join the meeting like makes a difference, like having them once in a way. So both of them send their regrets. And they are putting this on their calendar, but they right. will be wanting to come in and, you know, actually break bread and like be with you all as well. So those are updates from my end. But Terence, I'll ask you if there were any that you had. No, thank you for that. So Portia, myself, Mark Fask, and Kim Miranda met. Um, Dr. Francis did a great job talking about the budget that needs to be revised so that the cap can present a budget that is no longer in the red. 
Kim is working on that. Um, that's something that she's trying to get done. She's out on vacation. Her team. He'll come back in a minute. Yeah. He'll have to turn your uh, video off if the mm. bandwidth. You first. Am I back? You're back. Yeah, You're back. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know where where I was just having a conversation with myself. I don't know where I left. <laughs> um, I'll go back. You know, Dr. Francis at the last meeting you talked about the budget that needs to be approved. It was um passed through Dr. Mack, myself, Mark Raskin, Kim, Miranda met so that we can look at the accounting practices that looks on the spreadsheet that needs to be sent to the cab for approval. So Kim is taking that back and they're gonna rebalance that spreadsheet to get us um a financial spreadsheet that does not show us in the red. And it will show the differences in the cash flows moving forward. So she's going to propose that. She's out this week on vacation. And I know Grace was covering her, and then I think Elza was out. So they're trying to have this done by December to get that to you guys for an approval. That would be great. Yeah. That would be very good. I think the other thing that came up in the meeting related to finances was an update on the negotiation with the state around FQHC rates at Highland. Yes. Um, I don't know if there's any, this is the first update, update I heard about the budget um, was in this meeting. I haven't uh, heard any updates about that. Yeah, we hadn't That's the first time I'd ever heard of that. Yeah. So I just thought it was something that we should know about. <laughs> I don't know that it's a problem. I just. No, we had been briefed on it before, actually. Oh, um, before twice, was. actually. We've had two closed sessions um, in this body before you joined. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's absolutely within yeah. our purview uh -huh. to discuss that. Yeah. Uh, we just haven't had an update recently. Right. This is good. This is good to hear by December. You might have that. One other thing that was discussed at the meeting is um, um, Kim Miranda brought up some of the issues around, like, uh, needing, you know, some of the overpayment or FQHC rate or the other that this, so, yeah. that's what I was just talking oh, about that's yeah, exactly the rate negotiation with the state around state, Highlands yes. rate yeah. yeah yeah that's still ongoing that's yeah. ongoing yeah. yeah we haven't finalized that anywhere no meeting I was in was that finalized yet right so the other thing related to finance that I don't completely understand yet but it was more of a structural thing in terms of I think it was the overall ambulatory budget and Kim brought it up and sort of like who she's talking to when she's putting that budget together and there isn't really a kind of a formal mechanism for her to I don't know if it's talk to you or talk to us but somehow I think she was identifying sort of a disconnect in the way that she's putting the budget together um, yeah I'm not Weren't we going to have a workflow? Was there something mentioned about a workflow chart? Maybe. Or something? Terrence, do you remember? I don't know about a workflow, but I know it was talking about the cash flows, how that oh, looked oh. spreadsheet, because um, they were looking at where they were putting the money on the sheet that would show it in either a positive or a negative reflection. And what they were trying to do was change that so that the money from the FQAC and then what's developed in ambulatory reflects that change with you because I think the way this, the, the, the ledger comes out now, it shows us in for the FQAC program in the homeless clinic as in the red. And so I don't know how the cat, how, what was the, the math 
or the equation used for the accounting practices, how they put that together in the spreadsheet. So they, Kim's proposal was they're going to change the spreadsheet to give you a different version of the of the cash flows. But I didn't know anything about anything outside of that. There's something else. This I was think just broader. Yeah, this, this broader, was just budgeting the budgeting process. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's when you start, you know, that cost center that comes out of how yeah. does this roll into your ambulatory cost yeah. center or the yeah. other that when it yeah. goes to her, like how is she able to see that? So I think it was more around like when you all start doing those, the budget process, when does it start Terrence? Like uh, next around April, but Kim is supposed to be able to present this. I think maybe we should ask Kim the questions related to how they're going to make the new spreadsheet of the ledger for you guys. Cause I, I don't know how they're doing this because they're working on it currently. I don't think the question's about that so much as the board input into the budget process. Um, I think yeah. Kim, Kim was saying that I think she would find it helpful in some ways to have co-applicant board input into the budget process, given your central role in things such as approving the dental clinic and needing to then steward the approval of the dental clinic through the Homeless Commission and through HRSA. I would imagine if I were in Kim's role as a CFO, it would be very valuable to have input from the board that is ultimately going to be required to approve the budget that supports a move like that. So I, it was more at a strategic level, Terrence, that I think it was also that, but the right. second issue that Serena, you're raising, I think that's what Kim was getting at exactly. in the meeting. Yeah. And I, I wasn't privileged of what Kim was going to do related to that as a part of the approval of the budget. And that's something we should bring Kim back to discuss because yeah, I don't I, really I, get it. I don't think there was an action, a proposal on the no. table. It was more just lifted up as this is a discussion. That's why I couldn't speak to that piece. But I know that when I get the budget for approval, it's based clinic by clinic, cost center by cost center. I don't get just like a blank check and say this is ambulatory and I divide it up against the cost centers. Right, right, right. right, right. And I think that is what I heard kind of Kim say. It's, it's that between you all like the within ambulatory maybe um or between finance ambulatory and you all there's deeper coordination through that process so that where is that give take that you have like as as who decides what gets allocated where like so early stage those conversations that are co-applicant board is part of those th those conversations so um i hope terence you all will uh take uh, you know it'll be an inclusive process not waiting just for kim to say what what needs to be there but jointly you all having the agency to decide what is the process that works best for a for a homeless health center for ambulatory for the whole system too i know that we also spoke about that homeless our patients don't come in just through this door they come through every other door so you're talking very macro at the strategy level about how this is resourced so i hope those conversations happen at the board level we will uh you know a big part of some of the ad hoc committee work we are doing with our ceo performance evaluation is putting some of these things into our recommendations too so that like it's easier everyone wants to do the right thing sometimes we just don't have structures yeah. to do that so what what would make it like facilitate that for you everybody well i, I want to say that there has been discussions among us 
as a board um, about wanting to have more say about what happens uh, in a fiduciary manner regarding yes. the program since yes, that's part of our that's part of our function exactly. and we wanted to have more input about how finances are spent in that sphere as you should i mean that's your prerogative and it's your you know governance obligation and we have yeah. to say uh, you know, we have to support you all for success to be able to do what you're charged to do. So it's on us. We all want the same goals, and we just have to communicate and figure out how we can get there. <laughs> right? Yes. You know, I mean, that's communicate, communicate, communicate. By, by the way, uh, one other question that uh, one thing alludes me a little bit is at, um, as to debt. Um, in discussions about this particular issue, what deadlines or what kind of deadlines are we looking at um, in order to actually, as it were, get our act together? <laughs> what, I mean, what is the actual timeline in which those decisions have to be made that are going to be crucial for us to maximize our ability to to do what we can to make this program better than it is? Going forward, would, would you happen to know? So, Terence, I um, you might be able to help here. I do. When does the kind of cost center things come to? Like, when do departments start thinking like, oh, like we have to have the a certain budget in April? So, like, when you work back from it, is it in January? Is it in December that you'll start? working on these things i um so i don't know the timeline mark but i think our um administrative leaders might know terence oh, okay. because the the way we do it here last year was my first time doing it. it's very prescriptive Polly and i have sent messages to meet out with elzabeth so that we can start planning it now because we wanted to know what the projection looks like going forward for next year. And then we want to look at how many providers we had so we can look at what does business look like so we can start planning our FTE counts. That would count for expansion as we looked at 2024. Um, we have not received the budget from Kim or anyone else from finance telling us, here's what you have based upon last year's business, because it's also a retrospective look back, which helps them decide the projection on top of what we look at is what we have for providers and visits. So we have not had that conversation. Holly and I are just taking it proactively now to start planning it for next year. I'm open to anyone sitting in it. It's not something that's private. So if anyone wants to be part of that, we're you're more than welcome to sit in these conversations as we start looking at how we're building the portfolio for ambulatory for 2024. Yeah, um, Terrence, uh, the, the, this is Mark. Uh, the other reason why I was asking too is because, uh, you know, we're now in what we call the holidays and people here, people on this board or any other board or administratively in the hospital in general or with this program <clears throat> are going to be busy on a personal level uh, more so than normal because of the holidays, um, which means people might meet less or people might be absent at meetings that you would expect the people to appear. And um, I'm talking about in the month of November and December and um, how that might impact um, the goal we're trying to reach and coming up with, a, with, with, with the budget. 
So the Kim and her team won't release this budget through the winter holiday. That's usually something we plan like after January when we start after having January. So none of this is going to happen between now and and mid January. But I, I I do think the thing that she's promised to deliver was the the ledger and the accounting sheet that you guys need to seek for approval. And that's what they were trying to work on through this through this gap. That was one of the deliverables she had promised to give back to this group. Okay. I did we have a time frame for that? Did we did she? I, we'd have to get that from Kim. I, I know she was working on she had a lot of outages and stuff like that. So I don't know what her projected time frame was to get that to you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll just say Kim had previously given us everything she felt was in her power to give us without consultation with other executives. Uh, um, and I have a meeting this Friday with Mark Kratzky uh, and I think can can raise this to that level. I, I, I would doubt that without my input, we could get to something that I'm comfortable providing to you all with my recommendation to approve. I think it's important that the budget, you actually be able to track actuals against the budget. You know, as you said, can can you like, it's a governance obligation that, that this board has. And so it's not just about the one time presentation of a, of a document, but really, how does that document connect to the financial controls that then actually steer the governance of the organization. And I, I think because of the way Kim's presenting actuals, I think there's a way to consistently present those same actuals that wouldn't change much, but it would change a lot actually about, it's a fundamentally different um, paradigm, yes. right? Yes. So yes. the HRSA paradigm is more of what I would think of as a normal nonprofit. We've kind of referenced this idea of like normal nonprofit paradigm. You have your revenue, you have your expenses, you, you know, and, and you show your expenses against your projected revenue on a regular basis. With run rate budgeting, you know, as Terrence said, we're looking backwards yeah. and we're we're managing forwards against that. Mm -hmm. And that's really how the operational budget is designed. And then we have these best initiatives, right, that are really where the change initiatives are designed. Um, and they don't work together in the way we're thinking about. Previously, Kim has proposed me participating on the budget oversight committee um i've made i've made questions about whether that participation should go forward it would require me to change my clinic time in order to be able to then for me to be the conduit to this board around the strategic um decisions that hasn't been responded to um and i think the question of is the budget process even the place for this board to exercise that governance obligation given the fact that it's a run rate Right. When I participated in the in, or sat in on the board of trustees finance committee conversations, you know, there's an interesting conversation between trustee Fox and, and Kim about well, what does that mean about how we manage the budget, really? And Kim really explicitly said we have to manage it day to day through budget oversight. Right. Um, so I, I think these are really fundamental questions that Kim and I have been talking about for a long time, but I think have required input from the CEO and the COO level. And that's that's the step that I think we're getting to through the through the committee the ad hoc committee conversation that we had just to just to try to kind of ground ground us a little bit more that may be a little bit more level of detail than we need but I think this is a challenging place where we've really changed the organizational chart of the co applicant board with this new administration and the processes have not changed over to allow for the the 
this board to meet its governance obligations. And so that's what we're getting to is, okay, we've changed the org chart. Let's figure out how we can change the processes to conform to the, the way the org charts change. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I speak for, uh, I wanted to share that uh, Trustee Esteem couldn't be here, but she and I spoke before I came here because the continuity is going to happen with her, right? And she's like, so we are from our board, She's the vice president and we are completely so Terence, one of the things is that um, exactly the when we initially when we used to think about the budget like there's the foundational stuff that you want to do that you know we are doing right now we want to uh, we have to keep going and we have to keep doing then there's the transitional stuff that is like okay we are doing it's not enough we have to increase this a little bit and then there's the transformational stuff that we've never done before and we absolutely have to do that so those are the kind of strategic conversations that you all have to be there to say like if we just go by run rate it's just repeat of the same rinse yeah. repeat rinse repeat of the same thing so where is the space for the trend you know building on what you're already doing doing something new that you haven't done before so where is the room for that so that is where those conversations as it's happening as to because otherwise um there's no room for the higher strategy of like what is our onus in this county to be like a major player in this space yeah and to concretize that i think that's why kim was saying you know the budget process may not be the place to actually orient ourselves around it's more in a strategic conversation in, in our yeah. in our example here you know our approval of the bridge clinic for example that proposal started trying to go through the budget process didn't make it there and then actually went through budget oversight committee and that's where we ultimately ended up getting approval you know primarily i think you know based on um kim and mark's analysis but again we've had the conversation here about whether that analysis reflects your analysis of what the revenues are actually dedicated to so i think i think the bridge clinic is a really good exam case study sort of yeah. example for us of the place to do transformational work is not necessarily in a run rate budgeting process. Kim has explicitly designed it to say budget oversight committee is actually meant to hold that kind of thinking and that kind of decision making. But where is the co-applicant board's voice in the budget oversight committee? I think yeah. would be the question if if that's the road we want to get down with these conversations, right? And so I think that's that's where, like to me, one of the next steps in that whole conversation about, you know. Go governance obligations is is like well where just show us the link between the co-applicant board voice principles and priorities and how things that are within the scope of, of the work that you all oversee are getting approved or prioritized etc right so might you think like uh, having at those key moments when either um, you for you to be in that room when those kinds of conversations ought to have you know uh, 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 some of the budget oversight committee members, you know, CSO and others are on that, come to your board meetings, like make a couple like in January, February or sometimes, so that there's reciprocity in the process over here between your board and them. Like, does that seem reciprocal? I think I don't, I don't understand the processes well enough to say to you right now what, what I recommend and I think I'm you know, quite open to different ways to, to design things. I think for me, the question is really how do our 
current processes work. And it's, you know, we've been on an email exchange with trustees and you with other physicians in the system outside of the homeless health center, just saying that there's a lot of opacity that how these things actually happen. And so I think for me, the first step is really understanding that better. And then, and then, I, you know, if, if you want a recommendation to come from me, if I can understand that better, I can make one. But I think, I think right now I don't have enough of an understanding of how the system works to say, I fully agree with, you know, Kim's idea that it's the budget oversight committee and we should structure it that way or structure yeah. it another way. So I think my conversation with Mark on Friday really is mainly going to be, yeah. can you tell me how things work, right. you know, and, and then I can make a recommendation for how you should be involved and how I should be involved. But I need a little bit more understanding of that first to make those kinds of recommendations. Yeah. Um, Damon, so when we approved the bridge clinic, um, I was under the assumption, I think we all were, that they were going to bill as the FQHC, correct? Yes. But that didn't happen, and, that, and it's still not happening. So who's going to make that happen? That So that... I don't believe it started yet, but it is, there is a plan in place, okay. and we can come back and present to you guys more formally on it, but just quickly, um, there was a decision about whether to file for a new rate in that space or attach it to Highland, Correct. and, um, and uh, the decision was made to attach it to Highland, which then will allow us to bill at an FQHC rate earlier, uh, not, not honestly, no, not earlier, but it will allow us to bill an FQHC rate with more certainty once the, <laughs> once the litigation with the state is resolved oh, around yeah. what the rate yeah. is and get the same rate right. as the rest of Highland without having to file a cost report and do it separately. Yeah. So when we get an update on the rate negotiation, we can actually get an update on when exactly did, you know, bridge billing start, what are the limitations of it? So we can ask finance to provide that update yeah. as well to us at the same time as we get an update on the, the, the kind of pending discussion with the state. Isn't that part of the compliance too, though? I mean, yes, there are. So I, I'm thinking there are that needs to be done. There are related <laughs> compliance issues. Yeah. And I think that was another thing that actually Kim was mentioning in the conversation mm -hmm. that we had. I think, you know, in addition to the strategic questions that I think she would find this board's input useful for, I think she would find just staff input, you know, from like the structured way for me and Heather to participate in some of these FQHC related issues because there are a lot of nuances beyond even the what I just said. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I'd like to say something. I and it's been talked about it before, but I, I think it's important for us to uh, revisit um, as individual members of the board. I think it'd be important for us to revisit as to uh, what we as individuals expect being members of the board because when I when I was asked to be on the board I was told certain things that that I would be responsible for as an individual on the board um, some of those things have happened some of them have not happened I'm still waiting for them to happen and now as we're talking now it's unclear to me exactly where we are as a board and I want more definition. Um, I think we should have more responsibility than we currently do in terms of fiscal decisions regarding uh, the program within um, Alameda Health System as far as the homeless uh, program. And, and I thought that was part of what we were going to be about and 
it's been a, it's been uh, a mixed bag here and there. Uh, I mean, we've had we we definitely made some very key decisions, but um, in terms of how we operate and things and the way we see things as a board. Um, but a, I think we could do more, and b, I think uh, we should be doing more, and um, we we should also have has been discussed already, uh, some kind of key function. Yes, 100%. And but, uh, speaking budgetarily, has, I mean, that and, and other, in, in other uh, ways as well. Yes, I, I know. And um, no excuses at all. And um, with the transition of administration and some of the new uh, Terence has been here uh, with the ambulatory, you know, when Portia, Dr. Mack joined and Terence joined. Sometimes it takes a year, year and a half just to wrap your head around, like, <laughs> what is this? What have I let myself into? Like, what is my role? And so everyone is trying hard and there is an, it's, it's past time. Like, right. it's, it should have been, like, uh, you know, done way before. So the our board has... It has woken up to um, the ways in which we haven't been um, supportive right. in this way as well. So that we do what what is our obligation to make sure our subsidiary boards are set up for success and are doing things. So uh, we are looking at each one of us looking in within our spheres of influence of what we can do as a board. We can't dip much into the management section we have one employee and that is james so all of our recommendations go through james like we i can you know speak to terence here in this conversation but like i can't pick up the phone and tell terence or dr mac do this do this or all that it's like a process so i think some of those things but really making sure that at the strategy level uh our staff and board voices are very much there and and all of those levels like high to the day-to-day -day. by the way my comments in no way should be uh, represented or understood as being impatient no you've been very patient <laughs> I, I i'm 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 just putting it out there as a way of us asking ourselves again to be to ourselves and to one another as a board where we're at and where we think we at we're at and where we collectively believe we should be be yeah. you know yeah. and how can we get there i hear you yeah and how can we actually how can we help you yeah. get us there exactly what can the board do that uh, what can this board do to help the board trustees get where they need to be as well as us exactly so we can help each other yeah we don't have the expertise that you have and we need your help desperately Mark, have you had an opportunity to um, read the co-applicant agreement between the Board of Trustees and the CAP? Repeat that again. Have you had an opportunity to read the co-applicant agreement between the CAP and County and the Board of Trustees? Uh, maybe I haven't. This is really, I really highly recommend that you, if, it's on Boardbook, is it not? 
It is. We, I, we can send that out again. It's, okay. the, it's part of the, I mean, Mark, I think you were here for the first meeting, so you would have reviewed it a long time ago. Is that yeah, maybe long something time we should ago. return to more frequently? We can send yes. out a link to, to I think it's... Yeah, will you send it to yeah. me again? Okay. I think, I think you'll, I I'll read a lot of your questions, I think, can be answered in, in this, really. I, yeah, I think that's the I foundation mean, for figuring out what our processes yes. need to deliver, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there's text in there, program yeah. income, right? I mean, we need we actually need to be reported program income. That's that is the specific thing that's in our agreement that's not been reported to us. Okay. So if right. it's been a while since you've read it, I recommend. I've I found it very good reading lately. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark is asking the right questions because that's the watch, and he's asking how. Yeah. How is this happening? Exactly. Yeah. No, I would like to ask if we could review it in the next meeting. Sure. Yeah, and I read it too, but I didn't feel like I was really getting everything out of it that I should. Like, I feel like I need a little walk. I, I, just yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and only because when I read something, I'm, I already know what they're talking about because I've learned, you know what I mean? How do you describe that? It's just, I know in between the lines what yeah, they're saying, yeah. which it, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily know. So, yeah, yeah so I agree. To me, pretext, subtext, context. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There's the text, exactly. and then yeah. there's all those other texts, yeah. you know. But but the, the general, you know, structure is very, It's I think it's clear. I don't think it's confusing. No, I think, I think, I think it's, it was done very well. It ties together, I think it was done well by Mike Moy, and, you know, I think primarily driving it, who was our former uh, yeah. chief counsel here. Thank you. Um, it's done very well. And I think it, I think to your point, Serena, I think if we review it, we can say, wh where did this come from? What does this connect to? Right. Why was it done in this way? Right. And what are we missing? And what are we missing? And I think yeah. it may lead to other questions like the board of trustees. You know, I think it's very right. complex for you all. We advocated for you all to advocate. We as a co-advocate board advocated for you all to advocate to the board of supervisors for a change to your structure because the board of supervisors are the ones who actually make the rules for the yeah. board of trustees right. so that there are all of these complexities in designing the how because of the the structure of our system and i think yeah i think mark's asking the right questions about how we manage those complexities to get to like meeting the terms of that agreement and the spirit of that agreement i agree I, I didn't say it quite as nice as you, but yeah, that, I guess I love what I was trying to get at. I guess maybe. we understood. Um, I thought it was very clear. But, very clear. Um, can I ask a really mundane question? The next meeting for the ad hoc committee. We haven't set one up. Right, but who's going to set it up? Like, whose job is that? And what? We can support you all to do it. I think. I think it's up to the committee members to let us know. You know. When you want to meet again, I think what we can say as staff is we had some conversation here today, or like the board of trustees, what you all are working on. I mean, I can take responsibility, you know, meeting with Mark on Friday, meeting regularly with Terrence and Portia to say I can represent the where we've gotten to as staff and bring that bring that back to you and get, you know, feedback yeah. in either a committee context or another context. But I think um, I think it's really up to you all to decide, you know. Uh, how much to do. I think this is really important to the program. We spend a lot of time talking about it, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. I think it goes to the core of what it means to be a community health center. So, you know, for, for me and Heather and Brenda, like, we'll, we'll support you in the ways you want to be supported to, to move forward with this. Heather, you got that email chain yes. going with the folks where you said what's uh -huh. the uh, 
post. Can we keep that thread going so that in that we ask like when do we have the next meeting? And we, you know, one of the things that we wanted to leave, I was telling this to Serena, it was our, uh, and Loretta, you've been on the planning meeting with Hugh and Brett, was that we want, before we left that meeting, we wanted to have the group identify some next steps so that as a collective we were making a commitment but you know we were running late on things and things so that somehow like our facilitators weren't able to squeeze into that day yeah so we uh, so Heather in this uh, thing I'll be you know I have a one-on-one with James tomorrow so I'll also let James know but we can keep each other involved in what's coming next, what's the cadence, mm-hmm. how soon, what's next for that. Yeah, because yep. we, we ran out of time. We did run out of time. Karen, are you still there? Yes, I am. <laughs> I just, I don't know what's wrong with my internet because when I turn it on, I think I'm skipping off, so I'm missing half of the conversation. I just left it off with the video piece. Um, yeah, yeah, we can't see you anymore. Is Kayla there too? Well, in the middle of that one, that's me. I'm by um, this falls at Yosemite, which oh, is this computer that. holding oh, the space. Is it are you able to see me because it yes, paused? Yes, we can see you. Okay, yeah, we can see you now. <laughs> You were freezing earlier. Funny yeah, I think the neighborhood has like, everybody's home from school. The internet slows down. Thanks, um, my hand. I have one more question about the ad hoc committee. And so, in the in related to the retreat, so in the conversation about the interactions between this board and the trustees, is that a separate conversation than the ad hoc committee, or is it a, the same conversation? And so, for our bylaws. We have a very kind of, you know, minimal, like it's, it's like at least once in two years, the board should be getting together or something along those lines. So, because we have, you know, there is a foundation board, there's an HMG board, there's this board, and then our board has its own. So in terms of all these ancillary boards that we have, there is no thing in the bylaws that all of the time, this is on us that we like to once a year have at least have our healthcare homeless health center present to the board have that have that reciprocity but in terms of the governance structure there isn't too much uh, within that it's very high level and says at least once in two years but we want to make sure that if we really need to do this right and prioritize um, this uh, program then we need to do more than what's the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the floor, not the ceiling. So, so we, if you know, what has been going on so far, the structure hasn't really worked that well to embed the governance authority that is vested in you all. So it's more an exploration and the ad hoc committee with two board members, ELT your uh, your board and staff would hopefully design some kind of way that's greater reciprocity. The analysis, I think, after we had you know, our meeting, our ad hoc meeting, um, 
it says during this report, attendees will provide information to the members of CAB regarding the contents of the meeting and have a discussion to identify next steps. So that throws the ball in their court right now. They're, you know, we, we have given them a task list, correct? So I think we're trying to figure out how to refine that. You know, I okay. think the question is like asking me for a recommendation on how to participate in processes I don't understand doesn't really work. So, you know, I'm happy to accept the task, but I, I need time to meet with the people who can, who can tell me about it. Kim's forwarded emails that haven't been responded to in the past. Okay. Right. So like I, I need to meet with different people and I've been able to meet with in the past in order to, in order to come back with a recommendation. So I, I can, I can do that. It's, I think, I think what I could say, some of, some of what's challenging about this just relates to what we just said, which is the, the documents represent the floor. I think, I, I don't think, uh, dealing with, you know, HRSA site visits, audits from the state, et cetera, putting more things in the documents is necessarily the, the most important pathway forward, right? What we, what we talked about in the liberatory design session was like moving at the speed of trust and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I think getting, figuring out really like, can we get to something that's like a working system that works exactly. that is just captured in minutes, you know, that we can revisit and, and revise in minutes and say, Hey, this is what we thought was a good idea at that moment in time. Remember that we stamped it in, you know, in our minutes and then we're going to do it again. So I think that's what we can continue to try to get to. And I, what I see right now is kind of two levels. One is, you know, you've already said some really concrete things that the board of trustees is prepared to do. We can try to capture those and Heather and I can be responsible for capturing those as next steps in dialogue with you. And then, you know, I have to just continue to work with my staff colleagues in, in the Alameda Health System to try to get to, right? Because just as James is the only one that you supervised, I'm the only one that you all supervise, yeah. right? And I, I think we should respect the, that part of this process, much as I appreciate and have needed your support in order to make the, in order to advance the idea of the governance obligations being real and, and needing to be met. It still falls, you know, on me, and then I can call on Heather for support to 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 come back to you along with James. Yes, I hear that, and I feel that our role could be a little bit. That's the role of the ad hoc committee mm -hmm. and our board for me to help James and for you to help um, Dr. Francis. Like we build that container. What is that container? What are our rules of engagement going to be so that we can be in a more collaborative, ongoingly collaborative, not helicoptering in as episodically and saying now like approve this or now give us an input in like three days or something. It's like ongoing, what is that relationship we have to have with each other that does. So this ad hoc committee, I think builds that container. And so even though we have one, you have one, and we have one, but when we are in this work group and rolling our sleeves together, this is where we step out of that relationship of one and do the joint work of right. cultivating that. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's where I think it falls to the committee. What do you want to see? When do you want to meet with each other? What, as Mark said, what do you want to do as individuals? What do you want to define? What do you want to read, understand? So asking for us to come back and present the agreement, I think is good. You know, I think those kinds of things, and then we need to support you all to be able to set up that container. 
But I think in terms of the internal processes of the organization, we have to just keep saying that the thing we need is to make sure those are actually the how that gets us to the what of the agreement. And that's, that is, that has to be a staff, a staff role to do, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I know we probably can't do this very often, um, but um, one thing I'd like to see was, you know, I've been sitting on this committee, I think for a little over two years, about two years. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or so that I've actually met one member of the board of trustees. And, and I think it's important that we actually get to see the faces of the people we're actually talking about. I, I hear the names that you talk about, but I haven't met any of them. And I would like to meet some of the people who actually make part of this go um, just to know who they are and for them to know us and just to meet us as, as individuals. Now, how we do that, I'm not sure, um, but I think it's really important that um, you're just simply not a name on a page that we look at as part of our agenda, but at some point we've, we've been introduced or we at least talked or met. Um, it doesn't have to be a big social sting day, but it would be nice to just meet some of the people we actually talk about a lot but never see or never get to meet. I've not met a lot of the people we talk about and, and uh, who, who make our program go. And I think it's good for them to know when they see, see you or my face or her face, oh, that's a board, that's person from the um, co-optican board. Or I can go, oh, that's a person from the Eastmont administration. Um, yeah, you kind of know who they are just by looking at them because you've met them at least right. once, at least once maybe hopefully twice. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's, I, I kind of miss that. Because uh, I, I, organizations or boards I've been on before in the past um, did those kind of, did things even socially at times just to, just so that people could meet each other and know, know who each other is, who we are as individuals in, you know, know all the cogs that are within the wheel, so to speak. And, and that's something going forward I, I'd like to see happen on some level, yeah. if that makes sense. It does make sense, Mark. And with that, I'm going to move down to um, item F because it kind of fits in right there with what um, you're saying, Mark. Um, and this is the report about you were there. We were all there at the board retreat that Kincaid so wonderfully set up. Um, some things that I heard were from some of the board of trustees that they they didn't really know what was missing or exactly what you're saying, Mark. You know, they didn't know our strategic plan, what were, you know, our goals, you know. They didn't know that um, our budget wasn't balanced or, you know, just, I mean, things that have to be in compliance or should be in compliance and things that you know we're responsible for and and we put before the board you know half of them they, they, they didn't know you know right. some of these these issues that we were facing and so i think the retreat was a really good icebreaker to um the only thing i would have done different and this is me being a teacher 
I would have split up the ELT. I would have split up, I would have made, you know, I would make people be with people that they're not normally with. Right. Okay, and, and there's there's a good reason for that because you get to know, you know, what's going on in that part of the world, so to speak, you know? Because if you have only your ELT sitting together, there it, it kind of defeats the purpose, in my opinion. And that kind of happened too. That so and it's, I know that, and, people, and I know, uh, and I, and I sat, for people and I sat with with Richard, so I'm guilty too. I'm not. I'm you know, guilty too. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but but. <laughs> but we did have several people at our table that we didn't know. That too, but I think we both subliminally did. Like when we broke out, yeah, we subliminally separated. Yeah, we did. We, yeah, we weren't next to each other. We weren't yeah. next to each other at yeah. all. Yeah. Even I think That's we both right to different tables. Yeah, yeah. And I see Mark at the table, so I went to that table to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Because Mark Kratzky. Important that he yeah. to hear my see, voice and hear what I, I was trying to see. I was trying to yeah. see where they were so going. Yeah, yeah. I wanted so. to see where you know Mr. Jackson was going. Where all I, I, but I couldn't keep track of it all. You know, but that's the only thing I would have done different. I think. Let me tell you, they were all. We were all told that trustees and ELT don't cluster in one table. <laughs> <laughs> just like 
I want to get involved in that. How can we do that? Blah, blah, blah. See Dr. Francis. I don't, you know, and really, you know, and it, it makes such a difference. You don't know what you don't know till you don't know it and you hear it from someone else, right? right. Something like that. So <laughs> yeah. is there a preference to do these individually? Yeah, it's, well, I mean, that's how they're done. Right, Terrence? Yeah. For, I mean, for the rounding? Yeah, like when you took me. No, no, no. I, I won't say any names. Um, I may offer it to anyone. Um, right. Someone speaking in their ear who never responded back to the rounding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you want to do the rounding, I, I'm open to groups. It doesn't matter to me. Just pick a time. Fridays usually work best. Um, just reach out. That's what I offer Loretta. She found a date that really worked for Dr. Mack and I just kind of cleared our calendar to accommodate. And, you know, just put on some walking shoes and be prepared to go on an adventure because it does take time. It's not something you can do like in an hour. Yeah, it just can't time. be a quorum. <laughs> right. Yeah. Say one again. It can't be a quorum. It can't be a quorum. Yeah. So, it can. For the site visits, it can be because so, Serena, I just, I'm making all these, if you see me typing, it's like making notes. Now. Yeah. Uh, but we have a group thing going on where, uh, you know, sometimes when uh, singly, it's a lot of work for the host to have, like, oh, today That's somebody right, 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 right. So when, like, six people go and they can take you, John, George, or Alameda, yeah. or others, <laughs> So the, uh, Rona has been setting up some things and she has some dates that, hey, this day, uh, John George Hospital, can we add you all to it too, like as a invite so that anybody who wants to be, so I'm putting a note for that. I feel we'll like that's a win-win because -win we get Absolutely. to more, but if we're also going with trustees, that helps build that relationship. Yeah, and I think for a site visit, it's not that's, a meeting, you know, like, you yeah. know, we're doing... Yeah. We'll ask Kayla and yeah. make sure that we do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's like going to see the van. You know, I think that every co-applicant board member should see the van. You should know what it looks like inside. Step inside is, of it. We and piloted this, right, with Loretta and Mark couldn't make I mean, it that day. Yeah. And the team couldn't make it in Kinkinny, but we did a site visit to a partner location yes. as well. It's with a trustee so and with a co-applicant yeah. board member. So mm -hmm. I think we have a sense, you know, of what the power Definitely. of doing something like this could be. Yeah, like today when I was talking about the days in, you know, that, that was something that Damon and, yeah. and Kinkinny and, and it, it makes a world of difference mm -hmm. when you know what you're involved in. Mm -hmm. It really does. So I'll, I'll uh, if, do people need to opt in or should I just like add all of, our, of your members on any kind of like, uh, if there are site visits being planned or uh, people asking scheduler of, hey, if, are you interested in site visits? Do we have one point answer. person? Do we send it to That's one the, or do we individual? Individual. Right. Brenda. 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 Or, well, we send it to Usually Brenda. Well, yeah, she does the invitation to the cab. Yeah, okay. she does. You can send it to me and I'll, I'll forward to them. All right, thank you. She's so easy. That's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. I think what I'm also hearing and... Uh, is, is work that our cab and your staff, the staff of your cab, um, need to do, especially regarding onboarding even of new cab members. We haven't had, yeah. and Serena, you're our most recent new cab member, and we have not developed a very good system for onboarding and helping everybody to be oriented and introduced to all of those people. So it's something that um, I can work with 
uh, Kayla and Brenda on as well. That's just like this outline of, okay, you're a new CAB member. Here are the key activities we want you to participate in. Yeah. And, and getting your input, especially as a new CAB member, on what things are helpful for someone who's coming in. Um, yeah. to, an, to a thing that already exists yeah. and it's, it is, it's hard also to just come into something that already exists as train exactly. moving yeah. and you're jumping on yeah. and, and how difficult that can yes, be so yeah. any What's yeah, I know all that input is yeah. and I'm also making notes of my things to do, I'm not just texting my sister <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not texting retreat, I think my maybe this was what my previous question was what are the next steps from that, if any, I mean, like, I just don't know who's holding that because you know we didn't do that part about sort of identifying yeah, next right. steps. But then, is there, yeah, just like what, what what happens next? So one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that our um, laboratory approach facilitators helped us kind of do the next steps in a very laboratory mm -hmm. way too. So we don't get into the institutionally, mm -hmm. like you know, sometimes exclusionary ways of like who's worthy of being in spaces and who's not. So Hugh and Brett were out last week, all last week, so we are meeting tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And part of our work is to say like, as we are preparing next steps, like some guidance on what would what would that mm -hmm. look like. So we'll have a little okay, bit more clarity. you're holding it. You're, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing about that meeting that I was didn't expect was all of the staff, the AHS, you know, the, all the doctors, and you know, which, and, and also there were some outside partners there. Like I remember in particular, um, because she was so memorable. Oh name? yeah, Laura. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, on the one hand, I liked that, but on the other hand, it was just wasn't what I was expecting. I I was thinking it was just going to be us and the trustees with you know some key staff, but um, I do feel like there would be a role for that smaller because we didn't actually we did some get to know you stuff, I, but it was with this huge group of people. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there would be a role for that smaller group, which is kind of what you're saying, Mark, just to like get actually know people. So we plan on on those. It began with like the commissioners. Uh, oh, yeah. um, and then we always, for any retreat, we invite the supervisors. Yeah, and supervisors. the ELT, a lot of the members of our leadership team um, came there. Mm -hmm. So I think the outside guests beyond these were Laura. We felt she's probably that we are tapping her into like giving us some. We have no Latino on the board right now, and no indigenous people on the board. So, yeah. like, how do we, uh, you know? And um, the other person was a patient advocate, as uh, a patient, um, yeah. Jeanette Guion. Was there was also somebody who's with the uh, has read. So, part of it was having folks who are indigenous Latino wanting to work mm -hmm. in those spaces, working with spaces where language issues sometimes crop up too. So uh, those were uh, folks, initially when we were planning, we were thinking of having like a fishbowl and having people talk about their experiences. Mm -hmm. Then uh, so the invitations had been sent and then the design changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I personally for myself, um, I thought when we went to the retreat, I had a totally different picture of what that retreat was going to be. 
it was going to be part of what we did or what we wound up doing. But I was looking forward to us just getting down to the nitty gritty, to be honest, uh, to sit there and start talking about issues. Uh, and I didn't expect the way it turned out, uh, that it just turned out kind of a get to know you kind of greeting kind of thing and no business. Yes. And I was kind of surprised by that. Yes. I'll just say that. But, but don't you think, well, I know exactly what you're thinking, Mark, too, because a part of me was thinking that. But then when we started talking about building relational trust and all those things, I thought we really couldn't do any business till we worked on those things first, right? So um, I found that to be very helpful. You know, how do you build relational trust? You oh, know? I did in or, the end. How, you know, focus it on human values. Right, I right. I know, I know. When but I arrived. Those, it's like, um, I don't know that I would feel very comfortable sitting down with Mark Bratsky or Mr. Jackson, perhaps. I've interacted with him more, but I've never interacted with Mark. And so, you know, um, I would have to build some kind of relationship some way, somehow, in order to go in and have an open natural conversation with him and right. you know right? right and so and i think that the retreat helped us do that in a in a certain way i think that's true <laughs> however that's where the table should have been split up you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> right i mean seriously that's that's to get the most out of it we should have passing charts yeah yeah maybe Maybe. Yeah, like at some of the retreats I've been back in the past where they, they don't allow you to get away with that because what they do is yeah. they designate a person that gets up on a microphone and tell you exactly what table you're going to yeah. and exactly who you're going to be sitting with and yeah. that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't get to decide, they decide right. for you. And, you know, it's like that. Um, I'm not that saying that's a good that thing. Article that article we read about the, are you willing to be uncomfortable? You know, it's the same idea, you know, right. and so all those things come together, you know, when you put them all together and you think about it, they, they all relate and like, yes, I would, I would love to have a conversation with Mr. Fatsky and be uncomfortable, but I still need to have a little bit of relational trust there before I can do that. Right. Just as a human being, I think that's just a normal need. Right. Right. You know, it's hard to walk up to a stranger and just start talking. I mean, I, I've done it for 25 years I knew it. with <laughs> millions of students, okay? But but that's in a different situation. I don't know. Adults are weird, are harder. <laughs> not weird, not weird. That's the wrong word. They're harder. I think some children are easier yeah. to talk I can just make an observation from staff perspective about the invitees list, right? So if we think about what it takes to open a new FQHC clinic in Alameda County. Uh, the staff of Alameda Health System, in our, in our system, the staff of Alameda Health System have to work on the idea. It has to be approved by this co-applicant board. We then have to get approval from the county staff. The county staff have to present it to the county commission. Oh my God. Right? The Board of Supervisors have to okay whatever contract funds have to flow through. 
And community partners absolutely have to then be present and our patients are you know, going to be the ones who get care there. So I think it's a window for all of you, like from the staff perspective, like that's who we're all actually working with. Like our jobs are about that many different relationships to get one thing done, like a new clinic built. And it's, it is really different in this county than it is in other places in that regard. And it's both an enormous benefit because we end up with a big diversity of voices and we end up with a lot of entrepreneurial energy. People like Lauda. Lauda represents, I think, a great group of community partners and people who are like that. But I think it also has the other side of like, yeah. it's overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. how do we get to know each other well enough to get any business done? Right. And so I was sort of glad to be like in a room where that experience could be a little bit like, reflected by the way that the the room looked even if it didn't help us necessarily move forward a tangible interest i think it moved forward the community of people who it actually takes to get things done it actually takes that whole group of people to get something done even though we often like to think of ourselves as the ones who are doing things it actually takes that whole room it takes a village plus more you know yeah it really does absolutely yeah yeah that was actually quite impressive just to be in a role with all the doers of the county. Um, I think that's what inspired me to go ahead and move tables and actually have those conversations yeah. is just knowing that, you know, we all have an equal voice and how things move and shape within AHS. And so it was just really impressive to see all of us together in one space for once. So. And we would have probably done some more in the afternoon deeper dive, but many folks had to leave in the afternoon. So at a very last minute, because uh, we were able to kind of work with Native American Health Center and Judge Abenanti, we had been planning a meeting with them in December. So I was like just feeling really uncomfortable that this should not be one of those performative or national Native American Heritage Month, here's the token Native folks and we've done it. So it was really uncomfortable for me to do that because we were planning a much deeper engagement with them in December. But she was going to, she lives in Eureka and she was in town on November 3rd and she said, I'm so in. I really want to have this model, the Europe model that they've done about, you know, like less carceral systems, more of this be a regional ecosystem. So can I please come and yeah, have some thought partnership over here? So part of it is I was just asking. So that's how we had to pivot and the whole afternoon. If we had just dug deeper into the homelessness health center, maybe we could have gone there. But the equity said connection before content. You can't go into content before you yes, spent yeah. a lot of time building who you are. So but if we were to do like a, you know, tomorrow we are meeting with them to discuss what the next steps are. So as you're saying, Mark, like some roll up our sleeves and the boards come together and do it. I know I'm getting so many calls from the commission and from uh, supervisor staff too to say, when are we meeting again? <laughs> if we were to set up uh, these half day sessions or two, three hour sessions, we'd be up for those too, right? So. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, who was the doctor that was on our table who had just become, you know who she is. Oh. Um, 
Remember? Yes, she, I can't think of her name. What, where, what is she over now? Do you remember what? I want to say. Doctor Wu was there. Was it Doctor Wu? No. It, um, I want to say she worked with you before, though. I thought. Oh darn! I'm so bad at this. Um, anyway, someone who is a doctor who has a new position. Um, she. What was really neat about her? What I'm trying to say. Say this is that. Um, when we had to um, share, what was the thing that they asked us to do? Share something that, um, something personal. What was the question? Do you remember the question that we were supposed to share something personal with? Five things that people. Oh, yeah. Five things that people. Uh, uh, that part of your you, identity. Yeah, you, that are part of your identity, right? So when we were doing that with the people at our table, and um, I learned so much about her as a mother and a wife and her profession, you know, just, just, I feel like I know her now, you know, like if I saw her, I'd, oh, how are your kids? You know, I could say that and, and feel comfortable saying that, even though I've never met her before in my life, you know, but it gave us that opportunity to, to exchange ideas and stuff, you know, and it was, I thought it was great. I loved it. I love to talk anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, do we have any other comments about the retreat? Kim Kim, you did a fabulous job. I thank you again so much for all the work. Super effort. And the time that you put into that. I mean, so many people involved, including you. It was, it was really them. wonderful. Well, I think watching the National Equity Project support for our Health System really, I think, paid dividends. And it's nice to see that's a group that, you know, we're using those tools across the organization. And so it's nice to see us kind of get woven into yeah. these you know, bigger trends at Alameda Health System and at the county that are, you know, that are right. well beyond our capacity to support, but to, to be the beneficiaries of that, I just, I'm, you know, really happy to see you in this meeting today. And I think we're knitting yes. things together in, in the right kind of ways. And that was a great example of it. Mm -hmm. I got a note from a colleague at the county that said, that's been doing this work for 20 years, you'll know who it is, <laughs> so mm -hmm. 30 years, and said that was a really transformative experience for him. That awesome. it was, you know, like, had not seen anything like that in 30 years of working on homelessness in Alameda County. Wow. We have to keep up this so it's not one and done and really like build on the momentum. Yeah, people left really excited about, you know, when, when will we do it again? Mm -hmm. um, so I just, yeah, just really a lot of appreciation for all the, everyone who put things in, our executives who've, you know, been engaged with the National Equity Project. And mm -hmm. it's really, I think it's really great to see us become a part of that. And I think by um, by asking consumers or, or people who have experienced homelessness to be on boards and committees makes such a huge difference because they can share, like I can share my story, you know, and I, I have, I, I can see things from so many different directions, which unless you've experienced that, you really can't. You can know about it, read about it, you know, hear about it. But to experience it is a whole different story, you know? And it, um, I think it touches people when they can see the person that they're talking to who's gone through that. And when you can tell them, I did A, B, and C, and it was not very fun, you know? And, and they can say, wow, and look at you now, you know? Look where you've come. 
you've lived through that and come ahead, you know, you're, you're doing great. And so I find that so rewarding and interesting. And I, I love to hear from people with lived experience. Yeah. It's nothing like it, I think. Okay. Well, Miss, uh, any other comments on the, um, on the retreat? Well, oh. Sorry. Okay, we're, we're on G now, which is Miss um, McDonald Fine's report. Your, your fabulous annual uh, monthly program report. I am also going to just quickly point out that there is a list of references for you. We talked about some of them in our previous topic. So if you need to find some of those links, you have been sent them. They're in your board book, oh, so including a link to your co-applicant agreement. It's in this board book and you can find it. So uh, when you go back over your board book, um, then you're, it's there. You've got it. Okay? okay. Um, so your program report, round two. Okay, so remember <laughs> last month was its debut, and thank you, I found some errors. Not only me, others found errors, and so hopefully we fixed them more or less. Or it's round three already. Third time's the charm, third time. <laughs> I think it's all more or less designed now to run smoothly. Um, so you have you, you have all of your Highland clinics first, um, everything that's happening in Highland, and they're split up primarily by your, your practice manager and your medical directors. So these like areas of influence. So primary care on K6 is an area of influence with specific data. Then you move on to K7, you get upstairs, go to urgent care. Yeah. Can I ask a question about, um, one thing I didn't understand on this, yep. on the very first page for K6, mm -hmm. all the way down where it's the um, Highland Adult Immunology Clinic, current units of service, 132, uh, yeah. yes. and then productivity percent, 187. How did you get that? Right. What determines that? Okay, so in this section and efficiency and effectiveness, this is about productivity and it's about the number of staff that are in that clinic and the number of units of service are typically clinic visits that are associated mm -hmm. with that visit. Um, adult immunology clinic is a really unique area in that they have those things that are within the clinic cost center and then they have additional people who are in the, um, the grant cost center. In adult immunology clinic, all the visits roll up to this cost center. So your visits are counted here, but most of the staff are actually in a different cost center. And so to use productivity metrics against the AIC clinic, it's not a good match. Okay. They have a lot more people that are associated with getting these units of service done, and it's not... Um, yeah. oh, Terrence is clapping. Yeah, um, no, I agree. With am, you. I, am I explaining it well on yeah, this one? I, I come off mute, but you've done a great job on it. And it's really hard, to, um, Loretta and team, it's really hard to measure productivity in an ambulatory setting. Um, that's one of the things I've been discussing since I arrived. Really productivity, when you look at it, is really coincides with more of an inpatient setting because you also factor in the patient's acuity on the floor, which also is a determinant of productivity. Right. So in a story setting, it doesn't really translate like for like as you would see it on the inpatient setting. Because if you saw what productivity in the high 180s like that, you'd be like, what kind of sweatshop are you running? <laughs> right. So that's why I just want you to realize yeah, that productivity yeah. in the ambulatory setting really doesn't translate 
and it's really driven by visits and volumes versus the inpatient where you look at staffing nursing ratios that would flex based upon acuity of the patient to lower that that productivity number what i will add though is that this productivity metric which is used across our system and in ambulatory is the thing that determines whether or not in some cases we're able to post for open positions hire, hire for new staff etc and i think yeah. that in ambulatory specifically we're really learning one what is this communicating to us how was it set and then what are we going to do moving forward i will say that operationally practice managers and their medical directors are struggling with this the the thing that is determining what that metric is is set uh, six months prior to the budget being set so right now also you have this productivity is measured based on things that were happening um, in October, November, and December of 2022. And you might recall there was a pandemic. And also there was there's a lot of staffing uh, challenges in some of our spaces in ambulatory. Um, a lot of FMLA happening, um, a lot of leaves of absences happening, Sometimes due to the pandemic, sometimes due to life, you know, people have to go on leave sometimes. <laughs> and so when it's set, when those staff aren't present and then those staff sometimes return, this also impacts. In this case, you're seeing it at 188%, but you'll see other places that are impacted going the opposite direction for a very similar yeah. reason, right? That at that time, there were no staff. And so they're now being measured against the time when they were, I'll call it short staffed they're being measured against that and and now they're maybe appropriately staffed but they're being shown as a, at a productivity that's less than because that they set that rate based on that time right, right and and now Terrence has raised his hand again so go ahead Terrence no and what you're saying is correct one of the things that I've been doing as a mitigation risk to this is when those numbers when I do get the the request when patients when nurses and, and managers put in for a, a request I do go look in FC to try to figure out what is the most current productivity we make those adjustments and if need be I speak to that at productivity council and advocate for the position based upon what Heather just said we have providers out that would change the productivity remember this is only a snapshot of any given day it's not a number that changes day by day minute by minute shift by shift it's whoever runs the report that day is what the productivity is so you have to keep that in mind as well. Um, I have a question, Terrence. That, that's not this one, though. Just to be, we should be clear. No, yeah, this one is based on um, the, the most recent pay period. So it's the two-week period and then the year-to-date. I can't see it on my end, Heather. It's really small for me. Okay. Um, is you, so are sorry. you doing yearly productivity? So we're doing yearly as well as most recent pay period. Oh, you did so the same okay. thing that we're... So that's a fixed one. Yeah, so that we're that we're looking at for for practice managers. Yeah, I can't see it on my end because it's really small, but that's okay. I trust your word if that's what you share, what you're showcasing. Yeah. You're right on that piece. Okay. Hey, um, Terrence and Heather, yes. uh, either you can or both can answer this question. I noticed that um, the categories seem to uh, basically speak to uh, unduplicated patients, and unduplicated patients on one level can be seen as being very successful. Uh, our clinic being successful because we're reaching people who haven't been reached before but uh, probably uh, had needs uh, and uh, then somehow came in contact with our clinic 
and we were able to help those people, but they were not, they were first time patients, they were undu- quote unquote, unduplicated patients. Um, can we not say also that, I don't see it here right now, but couldn't we say also uh, the same thing about duplicated patients uh, in the sense that duplicated patients are ones that um, are able or do somehow hook or by crook actually um, come to future appointments or attend future appointments? Yes. So what you see, so let's begin, um, let's look at K6, right? Are we all in K6, the first one? Um, uh, we can use the adult primary care and adult immunology clinic. And at K6 at the top, you'll have your unduplicated patients. The yellow is the patients experiencing homelessness. And it's you'll see that it says 1,100. And then you'll see that um, the all patients, there's 25,133 patients that are served um, in K6. Also unduplicated. So here we've got these are unduplicated patients, like individual people who have come in that year that are experiencing homelessness and those that are not. And then below that, you'll see, for example, year ending with the 1031. So far this year, there have been 34,000 visits total, and 25,000 people are making up those 34,000 visits. So you're seeing kind of that people are coming back. Does that make sense? And so, and then if you look at our patients experiencing homelessness in the in the yellow box, we have about 1,100 that are seen in K6 and they've come to 2,700 visits. So in that case, it's like seeing- plus 900 plus 165, right? I'm just looking at the, oh, yes, thank you. Yeah. You're yeah. correct. So it's, it's for the whole unit, not just uh, um, the adult primary care. Thank you, Damon, for catching uh-huh. that. Um, so yes, so the, uh, let's see, do the quick math, about 3,900 patients, or 3,900 visits. You guys checking my mouth, 3,900 visits for 1,100 people. So they're going to about 3.4. Each person is going to about three visits, three to four visits per person in that time period. Are we? Are you following my math? Mm-hmm. Thanks, that's rough math. All right. Heather, is this in the packet you, that's for the, um, the minutes that you sent out? Because I can't see it. I want to review this, but I can't see it. Yeah, on my... yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, it's, it's in the board book. <clears throat> and I can make sure you have a copy of it if you didn't receive it in your email. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. All right. Brenda says you got it. Today. <laughs> Today. Today. <laughs> I, I was sent on Friday, but we update, um, yeah. we, we, uh, update the, um, uh, the CH. No, HCP5, I'm sorry. And HCP5, I found an error. We we update that one. In the past couple of months, um, I just had uh, misaligned my my data, and that's all that was. It was just an error in my my automation. I was automatically including the wrong data. Fixed, easy fix. Any other questions or um, further drill downs you would like to make on any of the areas so that you better understand it when you're reading it and going through the details? Serena, you asked a question over email? Yeah, I mean, I think this looks amazing. Like the numbers, the, the fact of the numbers existing. Yeah. 
It was amazing. Um, my question is just, I'm curious to hear from you and from Damon, what do you think about these numbers? Like, I don't know that I have the ability to really look at them and say, oh, this looks so great, we're doing amazing, or wow, these numbers suck, we really have a lot of work to do. I just don't know. And so, you know, when I look at the number of, I'll just look at the number of homeless and housing insecure patients, it's like, is that a good number or is it not? <laughs> yeah. So that's my question. And I know you don't have a perfect answer to that. I'm just curious what you think when you look at them. Yeah. I mean, I can answer based on, you know, the answer that I gave you over email, which is, you know, the system. So maybe one thing to point out just as a prelude is if you look at Highland Wellness Center at the top, the percent ever homeless or housing insecure of the patients is almost 19%. And the patients who are homeless or housing insecure, which means they were in the last year, is 5.7%. So 18.7 and 5.7. So you can see that what we know, homelessness is a temporary condition. Many of our patients are our patients. They go in and out of homelessness. You know, almost 20% of them at Highland Wellness Center have been homeless at some point, but only 6% are homeless now. So you don't want to design a clinic system that's like, this is like for homeless people and then this one's not for homeless people because it's just a condition, right, that people are moving right. in and out of. Um, and so... Um, and not all these are, are really true numbers either. I mean... So then there's a lot of caveats around how people right. respond to the question of what your housing situation yes. is. For example, I think it's really unlikely that only 1.3% of our pediatrics patients are from households experiencing homelessness. Yeah, However, if you go to a government setting and you ask a parent, are you experiencing homelessness? You're very unlikely to get a response unless someone is in an incredibly trusting space or they feel like you know they're gonna get some help out of that situation. And this is a common finding in all the work across the country on social determinants of health that you see people reporting it much less commonly. Yep. So yeah. there's those caveats around the data but then I kind of gave you some ballpark numbers just around, you know, Alameda County as a whole. And so we have about 400,000 people on Medi-Cal, probably another 50,000 or so that are on Health Pack in Alameda County as a whole. And, you know, our portion at Alameda Health System of the Medicare and other, you know, private insurance is probably another 50,000, say, which puts us at a round number of about 500,000 people of which we get a sampling of them at Alameda Health System. CHCN takes care of a sampling of them. There are private doctors that also take care of a sampling of them. But roughly that's like the safety net healthcare mix, right? And then people experiencing homelessness, there were 10,000 on a single night. We tend to use numbers over a past year. So there are 20,000 that were HUD homeless. But HRSA homelessness is a much more expansive definition than HUD homelessness. So, and there's not really good, you know, really reliable ways to estimate across, but let's say, that's even double. So 50,000 HRSA homeless people who are couch surfing or living in a car or living on the streets. So that's like one in 10 of the safety net population is HRSA homeless, right? So if we're at about one in 10, we're at about the same level of the ratio of the system overall. And I think it's not our role as this board. This is this is up to you all to say, right? But my feeling is, you know, so hopefully we educate you well enough that you come to your own opinion as to like what's good and what's not good, right? That's that's the point more than me telling you what's good or not good. But from my perspective, I don't think having done this work in this community for 20 years now, 
that it is about trying to get more people experiencing higher proportions of people experiencing homelessness in these clinics. I think we need to build separate spaces that are tailored to people experiencing homelessness, which is what we, the conclusion we did come to as a co-applicant board in our strategic planning process, right? We need non-appointment access. We need drop-in access, you know, it was really a clear thing where people are, where they need to be seen. And we should be developing more of that. And in the places where we do that, Bridge Clinic, Global Health, you can see our proportions are much higher, but they're still not 100%, right? And so I think we need both. We need to develop, continue to develop the safety net as a community. It's not big enough for the, all the people who need it. We have a really important role in the safety net for everyone because the FQHC benefit is based upon what you all decide the hours of operation are, the sites of services are, along with the commission and HRSA. But we also have the role of saying we need tailored services that are actually better for people experiencing homelessness. So I don't, I don't, we didn't set this up in a way for us to set a benchmark around percentage for us to monitor every month. Now, sometimes there are interesting trends where things go up or down and we may notice those, but I think our attention as a board strategically has been, and I would recommend continues to be more around tailored spaces. How are we getting those off the ground? How are we starting them up? And then just doing our responsibility of monitoring this situation and looking for trends while we're here. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense in terms of how I think about it. But again, like it's, I want to educate you well enough to disagree, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I will uh, also, uh, may I? Okay. Is that right? No, no, otherwise, or you, Mark, you tell me. Oh, oh, no, I'm just going to say, uh, oddly enough, I think the idea of service in a tailored situation actually will lead us um, to know, to know from those, from, learn from that situation as the things we, uh, that we don't want to do. Um, entailing for homeless people as opposed to people who are housed. Um, and I think we, I think from one, we can learn how we treat the other side better or what, or what we could do better or in some cases not do. Um, cause sometimes it's just as important not to do something as it is to do something. So I think we, we can learn from one side how we treat the other side or how we set up the other side. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a continuum. And I think, you know, we see lots of people benefit from drop-in who are not people experiencing homelessness for as one example of what you just said. Right. Right. So I, I completely agree. Yeah. And, and um, so what I was going to also add in for, uh, in addition to what Damon had said, some of the things we might choose or what you might choose to look at more closely would be some of the things that we might be focusing on. So, for example, the bridge clinic. So you may find that we're using the same type of data for all the clinics, and then you may have more attention to, to bridge because it's newly brought on as an FQHC. It's intended to serve, or we, we believe that it's serving more people experiencing homelessness as compared to other things. And so we're looking at that and we may be waiting for additional information and this is the place where you would get it and where we'd see that information for the first time. We wouldn't have formerly been looking very much at the bridge clinic and now we are. Um, this is similar with the mobile clinic. So the mobile clinic is specifically through grant funding very much within this jurisdiction. And as we see trends happening with the mobile clinic, you may have 
some direction that you would provide to us for that services that we specifically manage as well. So I think it's, it's, it's putting them all next to each other, right? So looking at what happens kind of in this, in this main setting, which is um, like Highland K6, but then also keeping in mind what's happening at Mobile Clinic and at Bridge Clinic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why the battery is low, because I'm plugged in. <laughs> is that helpful, Serena? Do you have like follow-up questions? Um, I don't know if I have follow-up. Well, actually, I'll just say two things. One is, I hear what you're saying about the percentage. I think there are percentages that if we saw them, we would say, I don't think that's a homeless health center. I mean, if across all these tables, we were seeing like 1% serve people who are experiencing homelessness, we're making up, well, we, I think we might say, oh, maybe there's something that they're not doing because it seems like the demand, when we would ask a question. So that's one comment. But then the other comment, which I know you can't answer, but it's just what I'm wondering is like, forget about the percentage, but just the raw numbers. Mm -hmm. And I realize that Alameda Health System is not the whole story. And that's where I think you were saying, like, that's really something to look at countywide. Mm -hmm. But I just have a question about that. Like, I look at these raw numbers and I think, are these, are we meeting the need? Yeah. I mean, I think raw numbers, we can say definitively not because the need is just expanding. So, I mean, we know that essentially ambulatory services within Alameda Health System, really with the exception of bridge, you know, and maybe a few specialties that have kind of increased, like we haven't kept pace with the, the growth in homelessness mm -hmm. and the growth in the safety net population overall. And so right. I, you know, we don't, it's, it's been very hard. I asked Catherine for some of that data, you know, looking back when she was still here, our former vice president um, of ambulatory, like how far back can we look with utilization in ambulatory? And it just looked like this little wavy line at like <laughs> 30,000 people for a long time and that's not what's happening in the safety net you know and all these private practices are closing down so to your second point i think we kind of know the answer at a global level and i think you know now that everyone's going into medi-cal i that, i'm sorry everyone's going into alameda alliance and more people are going from health pack into medi-cal in general which are then going to go to alameda alliance we really i think have a more centralized mechanism to look at need-based planning and think of what our role is as as a safety net system within that broader structure. And that's where I think, you know, the types of strategic questions you're asking are better served by that countywide data and that bigger picture versus thinking of us completely in isolation. And then I think you're back to your first point, like fair point. I think our structure also as a homeless health center lends itself to me and Heather working to support innovative people developing tailored programs. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we wanted to say maybe we should be making sure that all those pediatrics patients are saying that they're homeless or not, and maybe we should be making sure that the appointment system isn't such a barrier. Maybe you can still have an appointment system, but it should be like that is something that this board could ask us to do. But in our current structure, you would be asking for you would be asking for structural changes if you wanted to get that done, I think, in addition to this, right? And so I think that's one of the things maybe that also the decisions we've made as staff on sort of where to focus our time and energy is more on tailored programs and services, because those are the things where 
I'm, it's much easier for me to work with Dr. Herring and say, I've tangibly supported you to get more homeless patients in the homeless health center and get a system off the ground that's really important. Whereas going to five or six different sites and trying to figure out how to manage in a context of staffing shortages and you know real challenges, it's not a realistic use of, of a small proportion of staff time to get done, but it is a realistic question for this co-applicant board to ask to talk to the trustees about. And so we shouldn't be limiting you, right. I think, in that way. So that, that's a very fair point. I mean, uh, that's a really helpful comment, what you just said about the strategic use of your, you know, because I think that as understanding that I'm on the board of an FQHC and this is the FQHC and it is an FQHC by virtue of being a homeless health center, naturally, I think, is it doing a good job of being a homeless health center? <laughs> So my, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I think that it's a lot of, they can choose what, where you yeah. can have the most impact. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, like, especially with pediatrics, you know, a, you know, a mother, if she dares to say she's going to be homeless, you know, CPS is down there to take her children away, you know, yeah. so she's going to, you know, there's so many social factors. Right. I mean, I, I'm not fixated on that. But no. I'm just but, saying like the, uh, friendliness of these services to people mm -hmm. who are unhoused. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, are they user-friendly for that population? Mm -hmm. And you're saying, yeah, sorry, that wasn't the right character. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean to come out like that. Like, you're saying they, can they are to a degree, but maybe focusing on that is not the most effective use of us because of the structure where we'd be trying to influence people that we actually have no influence over. It's not the effect, most effective use of the three staff who are in this meeting who have a certain amount of time to work on system issues. And you know our mobile health staff are all on one program here. So yeah. But right. you as a co-applicant board are not limited to that, mm -hmm. right? And so I think yeah. that's a topic for the ad hoc committee. Yeah. Like that is what's relevant about all our previous conversations. Like, you know, some of our county colleagues have said, like, maybe you guys should be fo focused less on HUD homeless and more on housing insecure folks and homeless prevention. And what kinds of partnerships are you developing in that area? Because 20% of your population at Highland Wellness has been homeless at some point, mm -hmm. right? Or has been housing insecure at some point. So I think that is very, very fair. I think if you ask me to translate it in my role to figure out how to how to do that, I, I mean, I've thought about that, right? I've tried. I've talked to my medical director colleagues, tried to get them to this meeting, those kinds of things. It's just very, very hard to to put that in the mix of all the other operational issues that are there, just caring for the safety net population, which is also in crisis and struggling, and which absolutely needs Alameda Health System to do its part more broadly. So it's a fair question. It's just a really challenging one. Okay. Oh, I'm just going to think. I was going to just say too. Um, I just think, in general, also, um, as much as I would like to like snap my fingers tomorrow and have no homeless people at all, um, at all, um, having to having to have to use this program and be able to be, um, you know, um, insured in some way, shape, or fashion. Uh, to come in a hospital and do what they need to have medically done, that would be that would be great. But the fact is, that's not the society that we're talking about here, or the level of society that we're talking about here. And, but I also think that uh, we should be realistic about, and just in general terms, we should be realistic about um, our ability 
to make a dent in homelessness because the fact is it's a very intractable problem it's a it's a national it's a nationwide problem and it's becoming slowly even a global problem and it is not uh it it, it is not it, it is not easy uh, it's very difficult and um i'm not saying that we should uh not uh, reach for that star um I, i'm all for reaching the reaching for the stars but at the same time i think we also should keep in mind just how hard it is to, to get there you know because they say you can reach for a star but it depends on um how high your how high is your reach and that's that's something we should keep in mind too is um do what we can and do more if possible but keep in mind that it's difficult to do either and so so I'm saying that so the fact is we focus on what we do best, uh, then we try to turn our attention to things that we don't do well and try to improve on those things as we go forward and, and, and build upon those things. And, and, and hopefully um, our program even gets better. Um, but um, I, I don't want us to say, look at some numbers and go, oh, well, we're not doing very well. Uh, we're not having any, any impact. And uh, all the same, I don't think that's true either, that we're not having an impact. Um, where you think we're seeing um, not enough people, which most people might say we're not seeing enough homeless people. And of course, you know, given the homeless population, um, one could say we're probably not. But um, the fact, uh, but certainly no one can say, in my opinion, that we don't make a difference. That's all I want to say about that. I mean, this program doesn't make a difference. I'm not talking about the board as, as a whole. I'm just saying the program, um, the program in general that's that's running right now. I think it is uh, is doing what it can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, it's, uh, I mean, from my vantage, it's doing amazing work in very hard places. I was uh, I, I was thinking. Heather, it would be so good to get this data also to the board because to see it by different settings. But I know that our we uh, when we these we are stratifying the data in other places to see even within this population which ones are you know probably like and where you're talking about what's the feasibility of making this happen because is it like women or like you like coming out of foster, you know, exiting out of um, the foster care system or something. Are we seeing a BT stratify? Like, which ones are the ones that are probably even within this much more on the edge, much more on you know fragile, uh, and it, but that is a level of probably specificity and targetedness that at this time. It's harder to do, right? Dig into this and see oh. by race, by gender identity, by other things like, you know. I think without Heather, even this, you know, I don't, I, I think. This is amazing. This is really hard to even get what, what you have in I mean, front of you in terms of our access to data, data resources in, in the system. <laughs> you know, we're not the only program. I, you know, I think it's just very challenging. You know, the world is getting more complicated. All of us have lots of really valuable things to ask our data team to do. Our data team is excellent. And 
switched. Yeah, it's just like you can only do so many analyses with so many people. Um, but yes, I mean, I, I'd love to know the answers to some of the questions you're asking about the overlap with transition age youth, actually in the foster system and, and things like that. I think there's I think if we can bring more people, something we've talked about as a board, right, bring more people into this emergency that our county just declared, then maybe we have more resources to do more analyses, to, 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 to broaden the strategies, to ask the bigger, deeper questions. And so I see that as a big part of our role is having the meeting like we had where we're bringing more people in, bringing more people to the issue, that's where we get the resources Exactly. From. We don't have to do everything. No. The data might yeah. come from someplace yeah. else, but okay. this is so good. Heather, I was thinking our board needs to see this by clinic, by different spaces, like what it is. So I'm, um, I might just, I, you know, have the, we have access to the CAD meeting book, but I'll forward this to the board. Yes. I have a question. Since this program's been going on, I'm just curious, has any, has any, has the board, um, board trustees, um, or say even the board of supervisors ever ordered an outside, um, um, audit, uh, not financially, but measurements of how the program is doing from an outside and hired an outside person to or group to come in and actually do analysis. County kind of does that. Yeah, I think parts of that have yeah. been done in my tenure at the county level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we were considering you know, the first governance design that HRSA okay was the single commission, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there were a lot of outside people coming in to help us there um, and to take a look at it. and. Part of what they were looking at was what you know what's what's the system doing. I would say at that time though we didn't have all the street medicine programs. The county had all the street medicine programs it had. We didn't have the bridge clinic here. Mobile health was not yet an Alameda Health system. Um, our data systems weren't even this reliable around who was actually homeless. Our data collection processes up until right around the beginning of the pandemic really were much less reliable than even what we have in front of us now. So there's been big shifts since the last time we've done that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I can say about in terms of external folks, but we've definitely had at the county level, multiple rounds of different kind of groups of consultants. And then not to mention HRSA itself comes every three years, right. And audits the program, um, to make sure we're meeting the requirements and, um, HRSA, the last visit was very, very complimentary. I mean, you go to national Healthcare for the homeless, um, our county is held up, you know, stuff would happen with project room key. I mean. Again, as I said before, I think if, if if the homelessness problem were all about what kind of services have you done? I mean, Alameda County, we would have knocked it out of the park. It's not so much that we're not keeping up on the service side. It's um, it's really the rental market here is just right. bonkers. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, I think you know we have you know I think umpteen reports that we can send about sort of where we how do we stack up against other communities in different areas right. you know, of our services, and, and mostly we stack up pretty pretty well and yet how do we stack up against the need in our own community pretty crummy right mm -hmm. the, the one area we do need to improve is is housing that's definitely that's everyone yeah. housing is health care too yeah. So on that note I wanted to ask the same thing I asked this afternoon about the Alameda Alliance and Cali and 
and the community services and supports and what they're doing. And some of that is related to housing support. And I don't know much about what they're doing. And I'm wondering if it's relevant and if we could perhaps get a report on that or hear from them. We can. So we have an internal meeting around Calium implementation. Um, we're just one year into it. Um, I participate in that regularly. It's like every three weeks. It's really well done by um, our Chief of Population Health, Tangerine Brigham. Um, and we get some data on utilization of those supports by our patients. So I can um, I can ask Tangerine and either get some data from her and you know present it as part of what Heather and I do, or maybe get Tangerine to come and talk about the housing-focused elements of that. I think the summary is we're still very much trying to get off the ground as a community. And I think yeah. there's pretty low rates of utilization of mm -hmm. some of those services on the community support side. So those are things like paying, you know, entry costs, yeah. start up, you know, to, to move in costs for housing or providing shallow subsidies for housing, um, helping people, you know, find housing in the first place, those kinds of services that are paid for now by, by Medicaid. Um, and then on the enhanced care management side, you've heard from Lily McRae's, you know, a bunch. And so she really oversees the enhanced care management programs that are run by Alameda Health System. But there are a lot of questions. We see a lot of patients in the hospital who are not, a, or in the ER, who are not assigned to Alameda Health System, who are assigned to another enhanced care management team, or who are eligible for enhanced care management and aren't receiving it. And so there's a whole set of stuff to figure out around that. But, you know, we've just done a lot of work to just get our own programs switched over to ECM, being able to do the reporting requirements and manage those programs in this new way. And that's taken up a lot of the first year of implementation is like just getting our own programs going. Um, the county that's doing the best in terms of penetration on enhanced care management is Contra Costa County. Um, and of course they have the same leader of their health plan, their hospitals and their clinics. <laughs> um, and the county public health department is all in one system. So they've done a lot with data, I think, to really help with enrollment. I, I don't know the details, um, but um, that's like a comparator county where like the enrollment oh, rates are just way better than they are here. Yeah, yeah, they're the, they're the um, model model child. I think it's, I think I think <laughs> really programmatically, are. you know, I think we have programs as good as anywhere here, like the trust clinic. Mobile Health, Bridge Clinic, I think the specific programs, I really do think Alameda County, uh, Days In, Oak Days, that's the stuff that gets presented nationally and people are like, whoa, you guys are doing cool stuff. So programmatically, I do, I really do think we stand up to anyone. Um, but I think systemically, yeah. this idea of like, are we coordinated to enroll lots of people in that stuff? Are we working as a system together? That's where I really yeah. think we have a lot yeah. of room to grow. Still very fragmented. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is there any um, is there any way or have we ever done um, a count of the people that come in the, to any of our clinics um, who are of age uh, of where they are eligible for Medicare? Yes. Yeah. We we have the payer mix of people coming into clinics. Oh, we, don't, okay. we don't report payer mix actually on this report, but we could look into it and figure out what we have that's available to report. I'd be curious to yeah. find out what the number is. Yeah, that's a really common efficiency and effectiveness data point in health centers. You know, that's the kind of 
we, we broke this report down in the areas that you all are responsible for overseeing. So utilization, efficiency, and effectiveness is one. Right. Um, so we can look for, for payer mix and get, get that to you. Thank you. So, okay. Where are we at? We are, uh, we have no public comment. Our I'm sorry? No public, public comment. Our co-applicant co boards have already commented. <laughs> you're, you're not the public, you're a co-applicant board member. Oh, but. Uh, so she, uh, so first it's public and then we get to co-applicant boards. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's no, co there's no public okay. presence. Excuse me. Comments. Your, your turn's coming, Mark. Your I'm sorry. Co-applicant board. Oh yeah, I have one. <laughs> I had asked, I had asked earlier, uh, kind of when we started back, uh, what everybody Halloween was like. And I realized sitting here during the meeting that that was actually not a really good question because uh, it really had to do with what's already passed. And so actually I'd be curious uh, if anyone willing to share, uh, what are you guys' um, Thanksgiving plans for next week? Thanksgiving is next week, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is, it is next week. Yeah. I already did an icebreaker. I'm sorry? <laughs> no, no. It is, it's a contentious <laughs> issue at my house right now. I will just oh, say. Oh, ice closer. <laughs> hot, hot topic, the Thanksgiving and whether it will be celebrated at all. Oh. You know, I got teenagers. Oh, oh gosh, yes you do. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just be home. <laughs> I'm quite, I'm quiet sure home. I'm flying to Missouri Ew. on Thanksgiving. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, flying to Missouri is. on Thanksgiving to see in-laws. Oh, oh, okay. I have, um... You don't you celebrate? I mean... Uh, well, oh, I, I do feel like Thanksgiving is not, you know, the myth of Thanksgiving. So we have a family <laughs> meal. Yeah, right. a, a family meal, so it's a way to get together. Yeah. Yeah. Same time off for you. It's more of a get together kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be all over the bay traveling with my dad. Oh. Uh, spend time with my family because my dad is the monarch of the family now mm -hmm. um so it's gonna be interesting uh for those who don't know i just lost my aunt uh who's my dad's last living sister and my dad is 80 83 he'll he'll be 83 next year so it's it's an interesting holiday so we're going to be traveling around the bay area and spending time with her uh, my dad's sister's kids mm -hmm. um, because he helped raise them and whatnot. Yeah. And so this will be an interesting holiday season for us. So that's how I'm going to be celebrating my Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas bouncing around. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I think we can now adjourn. Time is 8.35. Thank you.